Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome to the Co-Optional Podcast here on the 3rd of October 2017. Mm. Yes. Another yes. week, another show. <laughs> the show. It is that date, isn't it? It mm. is, yes, yes. yes. Mm. We just had International Podcast Day a few days ago, which made me go back and check, hey, how long have we been doing this show for? Over five years. Five and a half years we've Whoa. been doing the show. Yep, if you can believe it. TGS Too Podcast and then the Co-Optional Podcast. Enough. I don't know. We've somehow held it together. That's amazing, what is the frankly. What's length of a podcast like? I don't know. Like, oh my I mean, god! It's so be many under people that, right? start podcasts now, right? But I don't yeah. think that they normally last super long. No, and not hundreds of episodes. It's fascinating to think about when podcasting actually began. A lot of people confuse it for like 2008, 2009, uh-uh. when really it started like in the early 2000s. It did. Oh, uh, yeah. The first thing uh, we used to podcast on Wild Radio in 2005, and obviously we didn't have yeah. iTunes then, but we had RSS feeds and we had archives of all of our shows that we just hosted on our site. You could download the MP3. So that's how we did podcasting back in the day, uh, but it's got yeah, a lot easier. To, over I used that to way. download like like radio shows and stuff off of IRC. Fuck, yeah. <laughs> so long ago. Way to go, way to go. <laughs> well, to the Corruptional Podcast, we do occasionally talk about video games. Uh, for those for those three people who don't know who our guest is, I will introduce her momentarily. However, there are three people who don't know. Uh, yes, uh, I, I was surprised to know that as well. Only two three at the most. I yeah. say one. Yeah, so she <laughs> she, she hosts and There's maybe half hosts everything. I have no idea. I don't <laughs> believe that for a second. Disagree. Yeah, don't believe that for a second. However, before that, unfortunately, as many of you are aware, there was a tragic incident in Las Vegas this week uh, with over 50 people killed and over 500 injured. We obviously are not going to get into a debate. I would like to request that the chat do not uh talk about it like do not get into a debate it's it's not what's needed right now what is needed is a focus on the victims and our hopes that everyone that was injured in that attack will be able to come out the other side safely and we'd like to uh hold at least 30 seconds of silence now for the victims of this senseless violence Our thoughts and prayers, of course, go out to those affected by this tragedy. Okay, welcome to the Quaffshall Podcast. We do occasionally talk about video games, and certainly in sad weeks, it's kind of our job to make sure that you guys have got something to listen to that might cheer you up just a little bit and make you think, eh, the world's a little brighter than it looks right now. 
our special guest, who will certainly be brightening up the show, no doubt about that, who has been hosting absolutely everything. You may certainly recently know her from the hosting of Greg Miller's show. Kind of funny uh, games Greg's daily. Greg's finally gone, thank God. Can we talk about how much I hate no, that guy? He's still, <laughs> no, he's still... No, you can't get rid of him. He is absolutely... Finally got rid of him, huh? All right, good. Still there. Absolutely. He's actually hosting the show five days a week, so... Indeed. He's a busy one. Uh, heck, I saw him recently, and he brought in a bunch of clones of himself in the background. I think he's uh, he's gone too far. Frankly, he's, yeah, he's lost it. He's gone. Indeed. Lost lost the plot there. And Ms. Like one of the scientists from Jurassic Park. He's just yeah. gone too far. Andrea Renee, science. Indeed, no. welcome, welcome to the show, Andrea Renee. And of course, you were very briefly a part of uh, doing a few things with the Game Station and Polaris. We know you, of course, from Gamespot TV for a while. Anyone that walked into Gamespot over the course of three years uh, saw Stop. you and heard you an awful lot. What? Yes, Jessie? common confusion. I even yes. said it myself sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Indeed. So I did. Um, I worked with Gamestop for almost three years um mm -hmm. we parted ways earlier this year and i started my own company what's good games which has uh we just celebrated our 20th episode last congratulations week, which is crazy you know especially with stacked up against your guys show which has been going for five years you know oh don't like, worry we'll, we'll have a giant dramatic implosion at some point where we hate each other <laughs> jesse what are you trying to highlight here exactly we're we're skateboard twinsies we have the Witcher. Oh, you have, you oh, have the same. We both have the same board. board. Okay. Yeah, we totally do. I had no idea when they gave it to me that there was only like a hundred of them ever made. Yeah, wow. and yeah. some of them just got destroyed. So I was like, oh, I'm never losing this shit. I'm gonna have <laughs> like 106 years old. One of the you have not. Still on that. I'm gonna be on that thing as a robot. You, ha you haven't ripped it up on that board. yet. I I don't think most people would, right? Like it's a kind yeah. of a risk of breaking it and then it's like oh well that sucks that was a nice piece of memorabilia it's gone now yeah. not ideal yeah. i don't want to mess up the art mm. there is occasionally good swag that comes in what, what's the best piece of swag you've ever gotten from a company at some point any horrendous awful bribery that these companies send us every once in a while what's the best thing you've had Oh, man. You know, I've gotten quite a few really fun pieces, but I think the best piece is the most useful piece, and it's a power brick from Call ah, of Duty Ghosts. It was okay. the last Activision pre-E3 event that they ever did, 2011. And the reason it's the best cell phone charger is because the battery is like three times the size of anything you can buy now. It's like 7,200, I think, is the is the battery limit. And most yeah, of them that, are between like two and four. Yeah. So that thing lasts and lasts. That's some forever. good stuff. Yeah. That's that, it's always nice to get those. We got some uh, like mini chargers and things like that when we were at PAX at one point. Uh, I think my son now uses. Property of yeah, Isaac Clark. Get your attention. Yes. What do you got? What is in? What's in the box? Now, at one point in time, not only is it fine, but also, look at this shit. It's the gun. It's his gun, yo! Oh, wow. That's, that's really that's cool. A, that's a nice and piece. It's fucking like the battery died, but it would shoot lasers, and you could like turn it but, and shit. It sure, sure, it wouldn't, probably wouldn't shoot real lasers. <laughs> wow, you can actually sever limb from limb with it. Wow, incredible. Yeah. Um, Adult Swim sent that's me a toolbox. That's how you win me over. That's cool. Hey, useful things are good. I also did right? just recently get this guy. Who is oh, oh, what a sweet boy. Indeed. Uh, he's so cute. Yeah. <laughs> Just don't go near his here. little sister. He'll—he uh, may not be particularly. 
pleasant if you happen to do that. I haven't got much good swag, honestly. I think uh, most because we shut down our PO box because we wanted devs to kind of stop trying to bribe us with that stuff. After we got a very expensive bottle of wine at one point. I think from was the awesome Nort devs. Admittedly, I have worked with them on the voice acting before. It's like, you know what? This is getting a little out of hand. Let's uh, maybe I cut down on wine. this. I that It was delicious. I'm sure you did. I'm sure you <laughs> Shout did. Shout out to my voice being in that game. Awesome Nort. Go buy it. <laughs> I will say, though, I did get from the president of Stardock, he is a beekeeper, and he sent me his homemade honey. So what? That's awesome. Thing. That's good. Yep. All right. That's pretty good. It's pretty Yo, good. Yeah. I was happy with personal, that. That's personal, you know? Yeah. Whereas I remember well, getting the prey box. Sauce, I'd be like, best game. <laughs> I, <laughs> 10 I, I mean, out of 10. 10 out of 10. You and me, Jesse, we both got the prey box. It was literally toilet paper and a mug. And I was like, so thrilled about that. I was like... Pray, uh, pray banana I'm in. This is the best yeah. game. Yeah. To be uh, fair, I'd rather have that with something that's clearly like of no value and can't be used to influence opinion than something that's like, yeah, have this really expensive thing and don't forget that 9 out of 10. You know. Uh, oh, I 10 out of 10. I got, I, a little bump. A little bump. <laughs> I think it's kind of hilarious that after a couple of years now of being like, yeah, I think that game is garbage, they sent me that fucking button that cracks. <laughs> oh, the like, oh yes. Fucking damn it. <laughs> Why don't you like Duck Game of I all things? Duck Game. Duck fun? Duck I don't think that game is fun you at all. Really? Look, I love it. I have unpopular opinions sometimes. I'm okay. okay with it. I don't I mean, think Duck Game is very fun. It's good. I like a bit of disagreement on the show. I just want to know why don't you like Duck Game? I just don't. Towerfall. You Towerfall sellout? Ah, it's that's not Towerfall. what it is. Yeah. Every game that isn't Towerfall is garbage. Right. Me. That every day. <laughs> <laughs> Towerfall is like one of the best like indie games I've played. I mean, do, do we even it call that good. an indie game anymore? It's I mean, excellent. I think you would. Yeah, it's yeah. like they definitely, you know, they made it themselves. They don't think they had a publisher. That's still not on Switch yet, is it? Have they announced any plans to put that thing on Switch? Not that I know of. I still just think it's such a tragedy that it never got online play. Because yeah. I think it would have done so well with online play. That yeah. game is so fun, but like. You can only play it so much by yourself. I've tested the limit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's speaking of, of Switch and like indie games and stuff, I was just having a conversation with the dev the other day. Apparently there's like a Unity issue or something going on where really? like it's preventing some games from launching on a Switch yet. Hmm. I don't know. Oh. That's just what I was told. I was like I mean, I, I heard there was yeah. like, uh, was it Overcooked launched and it ran like absolute crap. And I'm pretty sure that's yeah, a Unity engine game as well. Uh, I wonder if that's why. That would be a big problem. Because as we've said, I think many times before, even when the Switch was first announced, I think it was probably Towerfall was like one of the first things I brought up. It's like, oh, a thing I can bring to a convention and just set up and play like these local games and not have mm. to worry about, you know, bringing a console or a laptop around. That sounds excellent. That sounds like something I would buy. And we saw that, you know, there was a bunch of people that brought them to CoxCon, Jesse, and were just like playing games with each other in the line and everything. It's like, wow, what a... As we ragged on that initial ad. You remember when people were bringing it to parties? You remember the initial ad from like, ah, that's dumb. And I it turns out- I think we all ragged on that ad with yeah. people yeah. on the rooftop, yeah. Yeah. And then we but became the people. <laughs> yeah. I, if they've only presented that in a less kind of hipstery way, it's like, no, no one's bringing it to a rooftop barbecue party. But yeah, bring it to, like, just show it being like brought to a nerdy convention or whatever, or bring it to school or something like that's actually more realistic. And, you know, because that's your audience right there. It's not to- San, well, maybe it is San Francisco hipsters, but not the kind of people that have rooftop parties, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, Andrew, what about the San Francisco hipsters? Yeah. <laughs> Listen, it's not I like we've got any of those here. Technically anymore, and no one goes to the rooftop because it's way too windy and cold here. Indeed, there you go. 
Absolutely. <laughs> Wouldn't happen. Yeah, Man. we we shit all over that console when it first came out. Like, no you one's gonna did. buy this. And now all I, of us. I, oh, I was gonna say especially. you did, Jesse. <laughs> you did, Jesse. I was on board with the concept. I was like, what's the point of this fucking thing? Like, it does everything. It's like the jack of all trades. And it doesn't really do anything great. Here I am. I have it. I love it. It's the console I play and the most right now. So it turns I think out, out the jack of all trades is a good thing. that I know, I play it the least. Hmm. So that's saying something. Like the yeah. fact that everybody around me plays it a ton. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't play it a huge amount, but I like having it there. Like, and every now and again, there'll be an indie game that pops up. It's like, it's always a reminder. It's like, hey, a couple of years ago, I played this and enjoyed it. You know, I wouldn't mind, you know, chilling in bed and playing this or, you know, going downstairs on the couch, have the have the dogs nearby or whatever, you know, and just chill. Being able to do that. And actually, I think as a, you know, as people that do this for a living, getting out of the office and getting away from the computer and the editing and the studio is a good thing. And Switch lets you do that. And yeah. that's that's really, really good. And there are plenty of indie games that will obviously benefit from being on Switch. I want to see how Invisigun does. I hope they port that. Because that game, I've, I will evangelize that damn game at the end of time. It is excellent, innovative, one of the best party games I've ever played. And it did lousy on PC. Uh, so hopefully it gets another lease of life if they shoot it at the Switch and people actually get the idea of why it's so good. Mm. But yeah, hopefully what if there is a unit, you see the sort that out. I've been hearing a lot. Uh, especially from Greg, actually, I was watching Kind of Funny this week, and they cannot shut up about Golf Story. Has anybody had a chance to play that? Oh my god, everybody's talking about that game. Yeah, no, my I haven't touched it. it. So I haven't gotten a chance because we only have one Switch, so he's been hogging it for Golf Story. It. But um, I have it queued up, ready to go for my flight to New York tomorrow. Nice. So what what does he reckon about? It? I I don't I, I downloaded the game and never really stopped playing. Cause I've got this weird issue with my Switch where the left Joy-Con won't connect when it's plugged in. Uh, I've got to have to look about to fix mm. that. So I've been off it for a while. But what is Golf Story all about? Like, what's the what's the point of it? Like, why are people so into it? Well, it's like a it's almost JRPG ish in a lot of mm. ways. But then you play golf in the game too okay. and i didn't think that he would like that because he doesn't play a lot of other jrpgs but mm -hmm. he got really hooked like huh, huh. where he's like playing it on the couch he's playing it in cool. bed he's playing it like basically wherever he can and so now i'm like okay well i obviously have to play this game now because yeah. everyone's talking about it that's but yeah, yeah top down got a really cute little art style um jesse have you played no but i'm looking at it right now and i'm like how did I? How was this off my radar? I have no clue. <laughs> it's but it, it, it came out of nowhere. Great. I mean, because it wasn't. I don't think it's out on PC, so I'm like, I didn't really know a lot about it. But I heard a lot of buzz on podcasts about and on Twitter from the people I follow. Like, play Golf Story. You got to try Golf Story. Like, Golf Story. What the? You know, I thought it was maybe like people were buzzing about everybody's golf for about three days at one place. Like, oh, it'll be another one of those. But then I had, <laughs> oh, it's a it's golf RPG. I'm like. You know, I can kind of see the appeal of that, adding RP, you mm -hmm. know, good traditional RPG mechanics to something like that may work. So I've got to play it when I fix my damn Joy-Cons. Uh, so I'm hoping that I'll trick. be able to do that. Yeah, people are comparing it to the old Mario Golf games that also had RPG mechanics in them. Yeah, do you have a Pro Controller? Because you can try kickstanding it to Switch and mm. play with your Pro Controller. Yeah, I'm just, I almost exclusively use my... Uh, switch in joy-con connected mode uh just because of the environment that i use it in the kickstand's not really convenient uh because i'll usually just play problem. it while lying down so having my joy-con busted is inconvenient to say the least uh but 
there's got to be a fix for it. It's probably just an easy reset. I'll figure out what's wrong with it. I heard there was issues like that around launch. I'll see what's going on with it. Yeah, I've heard from some people that there's like a like a little piece of felt or something that you can put on it because what's happening really? is that it's loose in the connection. Oh, so it's like that would make sense because it is working when it's disconnected. Um, so that may be why uh, mm. that could have something to do with it. So um, I'll have a look into it. There's got to be a way. I'll uh, bring up the trailer for Golf Story on the screen right now. You know, it definitely looks like. A very JRPG-like game, and that's intriguing to me. Also, there's a spooky ghost in it, and there's like a graveyard, and this is obviously a little bit crazier than I thought it was oh, initially. Oh, this looks so cute. <laughs> yeah, I, I a lot of people, everyone who's played it that I've heard from is like, you've got to try this. Like, it sounds boring. you've got boring. a little pompadour in it? I'm in. Oh, but it's totally <laughs> not. Uh, I mean, I assume, I think there's character customization and things like that. I um, want the pompadour. <laughs> yeah, why would you ever need anything else? An right. alligator just ate his ball. Crazy. Is it? Is it a JRPG? Yes, it's an RP. This. Uh, it's either like you know, I like I said, like Mario Pokemon vibes. Like I can't figure out like what is happening well, I mean, in this game. Is I love Pokemon it. is technically is a JRPG. Technically a JRPG. Yes, I agree is with it? that. I it is. I, yeah, I just, it I is. Like that. I just like that. That's really. Why don't you? Why don't you like that? My world slips upside down. Okay. All right. You know, I need. I, I what, are, need what are the elements that constitute a JRPG for you? Here, for me, I need uh, Pikachu with spiky hair. I need okay. Squirtle next to him, but like in a tank top. And then I need a uh, white mage wearing Charizard all lined up next to each other, fighting a giant uh, Snorlax with an eye in its belly. And lasers okay. and shit, and that's a JRPG. So you're oh, very so, traditional. I was gonna then. say, so like you, without a class system, it doesn't feel like a JRPG to you. Is that no, what you're saying? No, I just no. I look. I don't know what I say half the time. I say it. You guys I mean, gotta. We're, we're I'm trying by to now, pick okay. apart what you're saying. You yeah, I'm just trying to find doing, out what you define. You stop doing that. Yep, as a JRPG. You know what? Don't ask questions. You won't get stupid answers. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll, I'll definitely side with the opinion that Pokemon is a JRPG. You know, you have your, you have classes. Essentially, every Pokemon is essentially the same class. You know, you've got leveling up. You have turn-based battle system. That's all JRPG like. You know, anything that's got a you're going on a has like a, You have like a starting yeah. position, and then you go from place to place to place toward a destination. The turn-based menu battle system is about as traditional JRPG as you can get. Really, that's that's yeah. You're right. You're right. I just never, never assume. I like see Pokemon as its own genre, which is not the case. I understand that, but I'm always like, oh, that's Pokemon. You're capturing monsters and like grinding their levels. Yeah. Uh, I don't Which think there's enough playing. games in that specific subgenre to really qualify it as anything, because no one really tried to compete with it. Can't blame him, honestly. My brain just died. Uh, the game where you play as the little boy. Nino and... Kuni. Nino Kuni. God, you're amazing. Wow. Look, I do this for a living. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, he plays a little boy in so many RPGs, yeah. and he just knew. It, it, it's, be, it's because that game has monster collecting in it, so yeah. I knew exactly where I was going with that as soon as you said it. Uh, I see. Is a game that when I played it, I had a very like, what is this game vibe? Because it's definitely an RPG, it's definitely a JRPG, but it's also you're capture, you're like playing Pokemon. You capture monsters, yes. And so the entire time I was like, what? It, what am I playing right now? I don't even know, man. And so yeah, it's because <laughs> so I think good. I have that opinion that just like Pokemon's its own thing. 
And okay. so I just like push it off to the side. Just like for some reason, I Mario is clearly a platformer. I see Mario as Mario. Mario is Mario. Now yeah. that's a very strange opinion because, like, Ma there are definitely a lot of games that are like Mario. Like, you know, does Mario do anything that's suitably different enough to constitute it being in its own subgenre? What do you reckon? I, I couldn't tell you. That's just how I feel. It's the same. It's okay. clearly not true. It's just like when people, I like, it's it's Zelda. I'm like, that, oh, that's a Zelda you feel game. Feel that way because Mario was the first to really make. Uh, impression globally and really kind of lead the genre of platforming and that's why you think of it kind of like clean yeah. is like the lead for facial right you're, ab yeah. you're absolutely right that's it's absolutely a, it's, a, it's a godfather right because like you got doom doom was not the first first person shooter you know you got 3d monster maze and even before that ed wolfenstein but doom was the godfather of the genre like so many people went after it with mario you know sonic wouldn't exist without mario rystar wouldn't exist without mario raymond wouldn't exist without mario there's so so many things that were directly inspired by it. So I guess mm. you could call it a progenitor or something of the genre, the thing that really defined and set the bar for that genre rather than necessarily created it, I suppose. That's probably the You're way to look at it. Absolutely 100% right. That's what All right, we'll go it's with the, that. It's the Kleenex thing where it's like, <laughs> in some families, people don't say tissue. They're like, let me give you a Kleenex, even though it's like the store brand. It doesn't matter. It's a Kleenex, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. that's, gotta... my, that's my family in Oregon 100%. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like you get band aids. You have Kleenex. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. we, there was actually—I don't know if you saw this, but uh, it was Velcro recently made this weird song and dance video, claiming like they had, people who claimed they were lawyers, obviously the actors, about the concept of trademark genericide, which is where your trademark becomes so commonly used to associate with a brand that you actually lose the trademark, like as you know Xerox for a uh, while, right. uh, you know, Xeroxing right. something, um, Googling something, and you know, you've got to, to some extent, go and try and protect that. So they put out this comedy YouTube video of them explaining genericide in a big song and dance musical, which I thought was like, extremely entertaining. Velcro anymore. Basically, yes, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and interesting, what they did was like, this. they took a bunch of other examples and then bleeped out whatever the other thing was. So it was like, you can't call it beep, call it hook and elastic. Elasticity thingy and all that. It's very funny. You should definitely take it, have a look at it. But you know, the whole point was um, to try and prevent that genericide. You know, because uh, you've got to be shown to actively try to prevent it. You know, uh, if you lose that trademark, it can be a bit of a pain. But it was just a really good way to do it because a lot of people be highly aggressive. Nintendo. Um, had a campaign, I think it was back in the 80s or 90s, where they put out a literal ad that says, don't call it Nintendo, which was because ev all parents were starting to refer to all game systems as a Nintendo. So they were oh, at real that. risk of losing their trademark, which is bad. You know, if, that's... You're like, if you're in the South and every soda is a Coke. Everything's a Coke, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Small region of the world that does that though. It's but, true. It's still funny though. Yeah. What's interesting? I want an orange coke. They put out a video um trying to be like, don't, you know, normalize. It was like, why? What am I gonna gain for you owning your trademark? What do I, I think it's I mean they, they, it's no one's gonna care, but I mean one, it's a nice little piece of like viral marketing for Velcro. And secondly, right. if this True. does go to court, they will be able to show, look, we did make the effort. So we maybe try. they keep, yeah, they, they have to imagine, be shown to have tried. Can you imagine the courtroom? <laughs> I to present that video. It's going to be hilarious. Don't use Velcro. Yeah. <laughs> They're all like, hmm. Yeah. And you've got, you've got to be honest, right? It's one of the better ways to do it because, you know, you saw when 
Bethesda and Zenimax went after the Scrolls card game because oh, they were yeah. making a card mm-hmm. game and right. had Elder Scrolls. You know, that was a very aggressive way to do it that obviously made them very unpopular. This is like a harmless way to protect your trademark that doesn't involve aggressively going after other companies. So I think, like, good on Velcro for that, you know? They were they're being reasonable about things. I love that we exist in a day and age where Total Biscuit can say, good, good on, on Velcro. Velcro. Good on Velcro. <laughs> Yeah. On, it's just nice to see a company not being a dick for a change, you know? It's nice. It, right. It's kind of a bit worrying that we have to point that out because apparently it doesn't happen that much. So silly. Yeah. <laughs> Good on yeah, well, speak of being dicks later on in the show when we talk about Nintendo preventing its uh, partners from doing YouTube live streaming. We'll get onto that in the news segment. Oh my God, but, I forgot about that. Oh yeah, plenty going. But I'd love to hear, of course, more about what we've been playing this week because so far... We have not had the Cuphead discussion, Andrea. I was going to say, and basically you, all I'm going to be able to talk about yeah, is Cuphead. So. Yeah, everyone here has pl- one of the rare occurrences where all four people in the room, including <laughs> me, which is surprising because I hate this genre, have played Cuphead. Andrea, you came in right here saying, I'm going to talk mostly about Cuphead. Is that okay? I'm like, yep, that'll yes. be fine. So <laughs> why don't you kick us off on the Cuphead discussion? Let's do that. This will probably take up the rest of this segment. Let's go. Cuphead. Um, I have been so incredibly conflicted about this game in a way that I haven't been about a game in a very long time. Because okay. I, like most of us out there, was very much looking forward to this for multiple years. I mm-hmm. love the animation. I love the art style. I love the original composition. I love the idea that it's this small team that has put so much passion into this project and that it really showcases how much work has gone into this game. Mm-hmm. But man, oh man, do I hate how unnecessarily difficult it is. <laughs> and more importantly, how sad it is that so many people are not going to get to see so much of that hard work because they've barred it behind this stupid level of difficulty. Um, and it's interesting as well, isn't it? Because this uh, they have a simple mode. But if you play simple mode, which takes a lot of the attacks away from the bosses, makes them easier, you actually can't access a lot of the bosses later on. They don't let you. It doesn't count. Because you have to collect these soul yeah, contracts. Yeah, you don't technically get the contract. Yes, if you only so the there's only... Yeah. You can use it kind of as a practice, but not much more than that. Which is an odd decision, I think, by the developers. Yes. I, I thought that it was really useful... But as, as like a, a person who loves really difficult games, like this game is entirely up my alley. I absolutely adore this game. Oh, I watched um, you stream and bang your head against a wall for days. Oh my days. God. Fuck the run and guns though. The run right. and guns are not fun. So I absolutely hate them, to be honest. I, like every I boss fight them. I'm down for. I can do it over and over and over again. Still have fun. Still love the music. I'm fine with it. I love okay. it. Um, they feel like tough but fair, all of them to me. But right. uh, the run and guns, hate them. They feel really unnecessary. <laughs> I really dislike them. Well, well I think, yeah, yeah, I think that's Jesse. a response to the fact that when the game first came out, everyone was like, man, these boss fights are awesome. I can't wait to see the rest of the game. And then, and then they like, said, well, actually, that was supposed like, to be the you, entire what game. What do you mean? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think that's what it is because they that, there there's no think about it. That's 100 percent what it is. We know they admitted it. Like you know, when we first saw it, because of that feedback, that's why the running guns were put in. And I wonder if the game did suffer as a result. I personally think that the running guns break up like a very boss heavy game quite nicely and give you a little bit of a break. Mm. But they're definitely not great. Like they're yeah. obviously an afterthought. They feel like an afterthought for sure. Yeah. yeah. 
I think like what it comes down to is that some of the mechanics just aren't tuned quite fine enough for it to make sense to do that, to add those in. So for example, when I played Ori in the Blind Forest, another insanely difficult platformer, beautiful art, beautiful music, mm -hmm. I felt like I was frustrated, but it wasn't because the game was failing me. It was because I was failing the game. Right. There were points in Cuphead where I was like, no, like the pixel perfect, um, you know, like parries that you're requiring me to do just cannot be executed, you know, from the standpoint of me looking at where I, the hitbox is and being able to time it up. It's because the hitbox is within the center of the character model and I can't see the edges of where the pixels are. Mm. And there are certain parts of the boss fights if you look at them and when you're shooting certain parts of the boss's hitbox, you can actually hit them in, but then other parts you can't. Now, and yes. I know like if we take like the carnation fight as like an example or whatever flower that is, is it a carnation? Yeah. I think we have is. that up on the screen um, right now, I think. Yeah. So like you have like the, f the face flower head, which is supposed to be like where you hit them, where you hit the flower. But I felt like there were points where I was hitting like the upper tops of like the leaves. And I was like, so is it just like the very center of mm -hmm. the boss? And because I feel like the mechanics were constantly changing, that it was hard for me to progress my skill level because I, it was always the target was always moving. And I found it just completely infuriating. <laughs> An another great example of that is the um, the candy queen boss lady. Oh, that uh, thing. Yeah. The final part of that where she chases you. I might have been on that damn like platform jump thing, shooting her in the head for I don't even know how long. And then when I died, it showed we had zero progress. That you hadn't like, done any what? damage. How yeah. did I? How did I not hurt her? There's and a part of the frog the battle. The progress bars felt that that is one thing I will agree with. The progress bars felt misleading sometimes. Like I would be like I did, or at least it felt like I did the exact same amount of damage. As before I died as I did last time, but last time it said I was almost done with the fight, and this time it said I was barely done with the fight, and that doesn't make any sense to me, right? It didn't feel like um, you were able to, even even though the phases really helped balance out the fact that you never know how much HP a boss has, like right. going into phases lets you know, like, I'm in the final phase, like I'm yeah, nearly there, right? And, and I appreciate that. But the fact that, yeah, sometimes it felt like I get to the exact same point, did things exactly the same. And it says that either I barely scratched the surface or that I was literally about to win. And I'm like, hmm. I don't know what I did different. Did I do anything different? Is this like yeah. kind of arbitrary? Like, I can't tell. <laughs> yeah, it might be. I, the um, There was a couple of instances during the frog, the uh, dual, the two frogs, uh, the, the boxing frogs that become yeah. a casino machine later. There was two instances in that where I wasn't entirely sure if I was doing damage. I think uh, it was during the whirlwind phase where one of them sort of uh, does the this um, or spins, I can't remember which. And I'm, I wasn't 100% I was hitting it, and it was clearly showing I was hitting it, but I don't think it was flashing white, so I'm not sure I was doing any actual damage to it. And then um, it took me a couple of times to realize I was doing this wrong. The slot machine fight, you can only hurt it once you've uh, you know, hit the machine. Hit the switch, yeah. Yeah, um, and so it took me a couple of times to realize that the, you know, the little white flashes are fine. I, I still think a lot of the bosses would be better, and this would have taken more work, but maybe this is where you could have not done the running guns, maybe put a few more animations in that they could put more visual indications on the bosses that you're doing damage. Good example, the carnation fight. How about if you damage the carnation, his petals start falling off? 
Um, we saw during the Gravestone fight, Jesse, you made this actual comment during your video that you saw cracks on it and you thought you'd done damage as a result of the cracks on the Gravestone. That's scripted. Like, that's totally not the case. But what if the Gravestone did crack more as you did more damage? You get these bigger visual indications that you're actually damaging the boss. And it's also very visually rewarding, I think, to, to see that you're making that tangible progress. Whereas these little right. white flashes, I don't get that feel from that. But again, each phase is so short. It depends just, on the boss. I, I mean, some of them can last yeah. quite a while. Well, I mean, a, a phase like like that one where it's where it's the the gravestone that's like slamming down on yeah, you. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that phase doesn't last for very long. No, but, you know, not I, necessarily. Well, I, I think it's an, an interesting idea that could potentially be implemented in like an easy run mode. And this is why I, I was so conflicted because I I get that there are people like you, Dodger, that love hard games, that yeah. love to be punished, that like want that reward system to be like, okay, I did it. I overcame it. And I think that that's great. And I'm glad that there's, you know, a whole, you know, uh, library of games that specifically tailor for that. What kind of breaks my heart about why Cuphead is in that genre is that I see this as a game with its art style and its music that could appeal to a wide range and a yes. wide variety of gamers from mm. kids to grandparents because they could see it and go oh i recognize that old disney-esque art style and that music yes. is so well done i would love to try that out but then they get in there and get whomped and i'm like whomped, oh yeah. no like i can't play this and you can't like you can't give this into the hands of like a really young kid i mean you could I try mean you be, but, it depends. Some of them have the attitude, you know, we're back in the day when we rented a game and we'd just go ham on it, you know, for days right? and days and try and beat stuff like Contra and everything. I think that's kind of what they were aiming to go for. I've but accepted I, that as good as I am at games now, the current generation of children is as good as me. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> like, the next generation is always just as good as whatever adults are alive currently. Yeah. Well, going back to the music and the art style and stuff, I, I'm... In Dodgers camp, I'm like really enjoying this game, the difficulty of it and loving everything about it. But the more I think about it, the more I realize the reason why I put up with this, the like bashing your head against the wall, trying to figure stuff out was because the art style is amazing yes. and the music is uh, phenomenal and all that's great. And every time I, I think about out. this game, I think had it not had those things, would I have put up with what I did? No. And I, I the there's no yeah. way. There's I definitely no, but yeah, but it's, that's, and I think, it's all a package, though, right? It like, is, everything but, was, was put together in a certain way. True, but uh, you know, the argument that's being made that it's you know, the best thing about that is seeing the new bosses and everything they have to offer and all the wonderful art, listening to all the wonderful music and everything like that. The argument I think being made is that if you allow people to play through on a simple mode and they could see all of the bosses, yeah, maybe they don't get the full experience, but when you're buying a $20 game or buying any game, really, if there's a, just a brick wall of difficulty where the answer is just get good, then, you know, some people are not going to be okay with that. They would really like to see what's later on. And in, in, if it was a multiplayer game, I can accept the whole get good attitude. But in a single player game, I would generally advocate for multiple difficulty levels. Just as I a mean, consumer-friendly thing. Since they have the simple modes, I, f I, feel like, I feel like turning that into an actual easier way to play the game would be fairly straightforward. Yes, I would think so. If they had enough feedback saying like, hey, can you make it so that if we complete the simple one, like, yeah. or that we have the option to say like, I want to just do the simple fight. Yeah, and maybe... 
the discussion we've always had about Dark Souls, which Dark is Souls. like, yeah. what does it yeah. hurt to include in easy mode? Yes. Like, sure, people are going to be like, oh, you're ruining the game. But like at the end of the day, you can still play your hard mode and it'll, it'll be fine. And this easy is mode, my point exactly. There's like an expert mode after you If it doesn't too. affect Sorry, other yeah. people. No, 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 that's okay. And I think that's the tough part about this discussion is that, you know, I, I was streaming this game with, you know, the What's Good Girls last week. And there was, you know, people in the chat being like, oh, I had no problem with this game. And I was like, cool, bro. Like, that's awesome. That's great, that but that doesn't help so me, does it? it you know? You found it really easy, but not everybody has the same Twitch skills that you no, do. And they don't have yeah. the same skill set. You know, I'll I'll probably womp your ass in StarCraft or XCOM, but I'll get my ass kicked in this game, you know, because everyone has a different skill set. And when it comes to a single player game, we had this discussion, remember, when there was a little bit of a controversy about the Mario steering assist. I'm like, well, one, I mean, it's... If you lose to someone using steering assist in multiplayer, you need to get good anyway. And secondly, <laughs> it's so beneficial because it allowed so many different people, like people with depth perception problems, like my wife, for instance, to play and enjoy that game. Uh, kids, uh, people with disabilities, uh, much, much older people that haven't played games in like 30 years to come together and play a game together. And mm -hmm. with a single player game, you can have rewards for beating on the hardest difficulty. Maybe, you know, have, have a different ending. Uh, maybe have some bonus f boss fights and stuff you can get. But I would have no problem with them letting you play the whole game on simple mode. I think that would be great. Uh, but, you know, I will point out what Jesse said is that the motivation to keep going has got a lot to do with how awesome the aesthetic of the game is and how really cool the bosses are. I was motivated to keep playing a game that I didn't like. I don't like boss rush games. I don't like 2D platformers. Simple as that. And that game is both. But I was motivated to keep going further than I otherwise probably would have to see these awesome bosses otherwise i'm gonna end up watching it on stream i'd much rather play the thing and if it is a single player game it's not affecting anybody sure uh, turn achievements off or whatever on a simple mode let people play that it's not really an issue and it's it's like the way they do the art style and how they do everything is genius because it does give you that like i want to see what happens next vibe even though it's difficult going to the um the, the 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 b level right we're like the first you got like the cop b and then all the like worker bees are set yeah. and then mm -hmm. the queen b comes down and she's like casting magic for some reason you're like what is happening and then she turns into a plane because fuck it and it's yeah. like Joe, yeah. what and it's that kind of vibe where i'm like i love this game it's so yeah. silly but yeah. had it not been as silly and crazy and sort of like early um cartoon art style i don't know that i would uh, like this reminded me of fury a game that i know dodger loved yeah for me i i couldn't care less about the art style or the like the music i people were like it's amazing i was like it is right, yeah but i'm throwing my head against the wall and i it's not keeping yeah. me here right? I, I had to say i had the same issue like i played a few bosses of it hit a wall i'm like you know what i've experienced what i want out of this if i had paid for that game i might be probably more motivated to keep going because i want to get value out of my experience but if i'm not enjoying myself with so many games out right now, I'd rather move on to something that I'd like, you know? I'd rather be playing that. And you're right, you know, Cuphead is obviously motivating a lot more people to play because it is such a unique-looking game. That's why Goal of Press it did. If it didn't look like that, nobody would care about Cuphead. I'm pretty damn convinced that that is the case. No, you're 100% right. And it's... I think that that's why, you know, I made the point that I did and I don't, obviously they're a small team and they spend several years making this game. So, um, I'm fully aware that designing and developing a game is difficult. So what we're asking for is not something like they can like flip a switch and suddenly they have an easy, <laughs> just but maybe yeah. they can because they already have but, the simplified, right? I I'm trying to, it's a, 
I'm a bit confused about what simplified locks out because I'm seeing that, you know, because you've got to do the contracts, right, in order to progress right. in the game. If you can't do the contract, how far can you progress just on simplified? Oh, you, I don't think you can. You can't. That's it. Oh, is that oh, all I thought you couldn't out? progress to the next world. You can that... still go to the next world with just simple. Someone in uh, chat saying was... you can. I yeah, how... so. I don't know oh. how far. I mean, if it's only the last few bosses, then I guess it's not a big deal. But well, the last so the last two bosses. Once you get to the Devil's Casino, which is the final area, um, the last two bosses uh, don't have a simple version. Right. So if the, if they were to implement like an an easy or simple difficulty for the okay. game, they would have to make those. Yes. So they would have to because the they mix them all up. Yeah. All the simplified versions have mechanics either simplified or removed from the boss fights to make them easier. But now I'm hearing like it's just the last two bosses. I mean, that's I guess that's not such a big deal. Like you do get to see like 90 percent of the game. That's probably OK. I, I will say from experience, uh, this definitely is one of those games where when you learn stuff, you learn it permanently. This is like the, it's very old school in that. So Crendor and I were, when we were playing, the first day we played, we played for five hours and then we were like worn out and just totally fucked up mm -hmm. over it. The next day we go back, our save file was like missing all of World 2. So we had to redo uh, all of yeah, World 2. Yeah, I heard about that. We, World 2 took us maybe three hours on uh, day one. We went back and beat it in like 35 minutes. So okay. like once you figure shit out, you do have that like, oh, I know exactly what to do here. There are a few moments where the game just fucks you because the game's like kind of janky like that sometimes. But yeah, at the end yeah. of the day, once you know what to do, you can kind of like make your way through it. And so I feel like, all right, I understand. But I guess that also has to go back to, I think you said there's an increased difficulty because there has to be. Because at a certain there's point- There's an expert. Like, once you beat the game, I think you can go back through and then expert is available. Christ. All right, cool. <laughs> that terrifies me. That's yeah, a terrifying idea. <laughs> I haven't beaten the devil yet. I'm still trying to beat the devil. And that oh, I fight heard is you're probably my favorite fight in the whole game. Your game against one. a brick wall there. Uh, it sounds like it. Hey, you've got the patience for that. I All credit <laughs> to you for that. I would rather watch you play it than play it myself. Uh, yeah, hey, I agree. You know, I, games that force you to fail in order to progress like that you that they know going into the level they're like listen you're not gonna get this on your first time you're gonna have to die and then die again and then there's die a bit again. of trial and error definitely i i i love that shit i dodger you could answer this question better than i can because you've played a lot yeah. more of it do you feel like there's a boss where you feasibly could not beat it the first time because it has too many sort of surprise mechanics for you to be able to just through pure skill beat it the first time yeah for sure there's right. one boss um there's one boss specifically that almost everyone i talk to is like yo fuck that guy okay um it's very, it's a very bullet heli boss. So I was ah, a bit more okay. comfortable with it because I, I like those kind of mechanics, but a lot of people were completely blindsided by it. Right. So <laughs> just like, no, is it like a pattern memorization bullet hell? Like you can learn it that way. Uh, it's, it's like a straightforward dodging. Right. Pattern. I, okay. yeah. Um, but it, it feels like it comes out of nowhere and it feels like it bombards you. So yeah, I think game for a lot of people, when they went into that. that fight, they were like, bye. <laughs> um, yeah. Like from the very beginning, that whole fight is just like really bizarre mechanics. And I think, I th think that that's, at least for me, one of the things that I appreciate is that I don't, I don't 
I can't go into each fight thinking to myself, okay, this is going to be a straightforward, the boss is in front of me and I shoot it right? Every boss acts in very bizarre ways. And they make that really clear visually by things like a, the bee boss turning into a fucking plane, right? Like you never know what these bosses are going to do or what like their limitations are or how they're going to transform. And it keeps you on your toes quite yeah. a bit. That's some weird shit. I remember one of the, I think it was the first plane level where the, uh, the boss rushes at you and then leaves this kind of constellation on the screen, I thought, oh, if I run to that, it's going to hurt me. It literally doesn't at all. So, And there's no way for you to know that without mm -hmm. like then, just testing but it. But then she flies back as the constellation and then attacks you, <laughs> which I was just like, oh, this is great. I mean, it's awesome. Yeah. There's no yeah, doubt. Like, cool. It sounds like we might be ragging on it a bit too much, but you know, I think like now the honeymoon period is over, we can look at it really for what it is, that it's still an incredible game. It's going to win a lot of awards at the end of the year, no doubt. It has no accomplished... Doubt. They obviously had a goal in mind. They wanted to make a hardcore, difficult boss rush game, you know, Contra style, and Gunstar Hero style. That the whole thing is hand drawn. I think was was like really ambitious. And, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the fact that it took so long to make it, and in the end, all of the visuals are really fantastic and exactly yes. what they wanted is a win. This is why I want to see the end. Mm, People in yeah. the chat are talking about how this is the way all old arcade games used to be. Yeah, and there's a reason they're old. Bringing up the point that the reason arcade games were this difficult is because they needed to entice you to keep spending your quarters. Exactly. Yeah. Make it easy, because then you say, damn, I beat the level, but that's not the way the games are now. You no, paid your, no. your money up front for the whole game. You don't have to keep feeding quarters to the machine. It no. doesn't need to be this hard. No, <laughs> give, just give, make sure people have options. You know, it, yeah. that's, that's the best way. You can cater to a wider audience that way. I, I, if you're into difficult games, great, go for it. You know, make sure people are rewarded for playing the difficult mode in some way. That's great. Disable achievements for easy. I'm fine with that. Whatever you like. It, but you know, there's definitely a little bit of elitism amongst some people. Very kind of gatekeepery sort of attitude amongst some people. It's like you must play it this way, or you know, you are not worthy of the video games. It's like, well, someone bought the product. They're worthy of seeing what the product has to offer. Uh, if it's yeah. a multiplayer experience that's competitive, I totally get your point. But it's a single player game. It doesn't affect anybody if you decide it's, to play on an easy again, mode. Just let people do it's it. It's exactly what we always say about Dark Souls. Yes, like it is. having more options for you to be able to experience the game in full, however you would like to play it, is awesome. And it doesn't keep people like us from being masochists. Yeah, of course. <laughs> right? like yeah. You get your stream viewers from that. You know, you're you're very glad it's hard because people are coming back every day to watch you stream it. That's great. And it's very yeah, popular that's also on Twitch. Awesome. Hey, yes, wink. seeing the fact that it's still up there on Twitch, you know, is is great. It's obviously got an appeal there, but there's there are things you can do that don't compromise the core of the game that still allow you to expand its appeal. And ultimately we want more people playing video games and seeing Great stuff. You know, we want people to stop playing all the boring mainstream stuff and look at all this cool shit. And that's a great way to do that. And I hope mm -hmm. Cuphead does very, very well. And maybe they could have another look at the simple mode and, you know, hearing that it only locks out the last two bosses, I guess, is not too big a deal. But maybe let people, you know, maybe redesign those fights a little bit and let them let them beat the game like that. Give them a bad ending for it. It's like, haha, you, would, you will never escape me. You know, now you have to beat the game on regular difficulties if you really want to escape the devil, blah, blah, blah. Do that. There's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. Mm -hmm. That'd be cool. I had no problem with that. I've had that damn King Dice song stuck in my head this entire conversation. Ah, Mr. King Dice. <laughs> it's good. King. I love it. Yeah. It's great. It's, uh, I mean, we're playing this mu the music throughout. Uh, Christopher M Madigan is the composer on all of it, and there's like 40 
uh, 40 songs of the soundtrack. I got the whole thing and I've been listening to it all week. It's just wonderful. So mm. I will happily play some more during the break, which is actually coming up right now. So any final oh. thoughts on Cuphead before we wrap up that one and move on to something else? No, I love it. I, I think that it's really, really fun and well done. Um, and I would have no problem with them creating like a full on easy mode somewhere people can experience all their hard work. Yeah. That is the thing, you know. isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Let, 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 them, let them see everything, you know, let them enjoy the game on their level. As long as it's not affecting anybody else. That's totally fair. Jesse looking a little bit miserable. Though. I can't get it out of my head. I'm sitting Mr. here King just guys. playing yeah. and I just... I'd play it again, but I played it during the intro. You know, actually, it's only one minute and a half. I'm going to play it again. We're going, all right. We're, you're watching the Questional Podcast, folks. We're going to be back after about five or six minutes. Got plenty more games to talk about this week. Do not go anywhere. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Co-Optional Podcast. The soundtrack from Cuphead being played throughout the show today by Christopher Madigan. Highly recommend you go check that out. It's currently available with the game as part of a deluxe edition. So it's it's awesome. There's so many great tracks in there. Absolutely love it. All right. Well, we got through the Cuphead discussion. Got a lot to talk about regardless. Plenty more games. Jesse, you seem to have something on the tip of your tongue. Is it a game oh, or is it uh, something else entirely? A wart of some sort, perhaps. A wart on my tongue? A wart on I your mean, tongue? Yeah. Holy that's a different moly. thing. <laughs> that is, yeah. I don't know if that's I'm, a wart. I'm aware you've, you've been, about, you've been around partying recently. I'm just saying. I, I know what you got to do. I don't know to. if that's a wart, but... No, uh, going back to uh, our conversation at the very, very beginning about like weird stuff you get. Yesterday and today, I've been getting weird packages in the mail from the Evil Within people for Evil Within oh, 2. Oh, okay, yeah. The first thing was a black cat with a like Evil Within. It says black cats, the harbingers of bad luck. The okay. next thing that we just got minutes ago was a broken mirror. Oh, and it's Jesus. like, and it's like broken mirror reflects seven years of bad luck. And I keep opening these. I'm like, I'm gonna. By the time they're just gonna send me a ladder, <laughs> like walk <laughs> under this ladder. It'll be I a voodoo doll with your face on it, just filled with pins. I just want to point out, I have seen the trailers for Evil Within Two. I have played some Evil Within Two. I don't know what the hell any of this has to do with Evil Within Two. I don't care. I'm in. I'm like, f it. Let's go well, weird with it. Their marketing succeeded well, by paying it's very on little. Thirteenth. This is what the release date. And it's oh, like, is it? All right, they're going for it all ties together. Spooky. I am fine. I'm fine with it. I love weird stuff like this. This is stuff that I'm like, all right. You're a damn cool. hoarder. Your <laughs> office is full of swaggy crap. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what I'm gonna do with this. This cat's obviously Kristen's now, but this mirror, I guess I'll give it to someone in the office. Be like, yeah, look beautiful. <laughs> I like that we just heard Kristen in the background go, hey, Ooh, free stuff. <laughs> he, he hasn't paid me in three months. I get the cat though. I wish Ooh. that was the case. <laughs> If I Doesn't want to pay you. Great. All right. Okay. <laughs> Outside of Cuphead, Andrea, anything else you've been playing this week? Well, um, I know you guys talked about it on the show last week, but last night I finished another Lost Phone, and I hadn't played yes. that. Oh, yeah, Second yeah, one, yeah. yes. Uh, which was interesting, because I don't generally play those types of games, um, kind of like text-based mm -hmm. story games, but I found it really uh, really fascinating and the puzzle solving was really cleverly done um i don't know how much you want to like rehash everything you already talked about but feel free um, to cover it go for it it was um it was good i would highly recommend it to people who 
you know, want uh, something that will take up a couple hours of time. Obviously, you can play it on Steam, but I played it on iOS, so I played it on my phone, which well, was the best way to do um, it, right? Oh, I yeah. didn't even know it was on iOS. I bet that that's actually better. <laughs> yeah, so I played it. It's also on available on Android as well. But so I played it on my phone on my flight um, back to San Francisco. Uh, over the weekend, I was in LA, so I was playing it like I was like looking through text messages, looking right. through emails, and it does have a different kind of feel when you are playing it on a mobile device. I would imagine than obviously using mouse and keyboard and clicking through everything. Um, it was tough for me because I kept wanting to go back to my home button on my actual phone, and I, but it would keep mm. pulling me out of the app, and I was like, oh. <laughs> Oh, trying to like break that habit was something that I had to be actively conscious of. But I I like how games now feel more confident exploring, you know, different kinds of themes that maybe were considered taboo a few years ago. Themes about, you know, domestic violence or same-sex relationships or, you know, the kind of ways that people talk to each other and the relationships that, you know, we have as human beings. And I think that this game does that well. And obviously, I don't want to, you know, give any plot points away for spoiler reasons, but um, it goes to a place that I wasn't expecting. Um, and I don't know how I feel about the way that it ends. Um, I kind of, kind of left me going, huh, I wonder why they chose that just to like have it end that way. But um, it, it was interesting. Uh, what did you think about the way that they handled the ending? Uh, it's man, that's hard without like spoiling it. <laughs> um, I I liked the ending because I I felt like all of the dialogue leading up to the end. Um, and the way that they revealed things and the sort of mannerisms that people had and the way that they talked to each other. I thought that it was all like really believably subtle um, up until the end. Uh, so by the time that the end came, like I understood why they needed like a like a a decision, right? Like a yeah. like an end, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and I thought it was really interesting how they kept kind of peeling back these layers where you thought you knew what was happening with a specific person, but then you're like, whoa, didn't see that coming. And I, there was one app uh, within Laura's phone, the counter it's called. And oh, I was like, yeah. I was like, what is this thing? And how you don't find out what that is until like the very end of the game. Um, I thought that was cool. Like, oh, that's what that was for. Yeah. Um, little, tidbits like that that were you know really well done so um good job to you know the the dev team there so i was playing that and i also have been playing a lot of destiny 2 um i kind of have a problem but i i, I finally <laughs> hit level 300 with my main <gasps> 300 Jesus. I, that sounds I like still a haven't lot. touched that game so that sounds insane <laughs> yeah i don't have context for what that means but it sounds like a lot yeah, so technically the level cap is 20 and your power level is up to, I think, 350 is what you can yeah. go to. It's so like it's an like, item level in WoW, right? That's what I was just about to say. It's kind of like eye levels in an MMO. Yeah, so it's um, it's been a, a really interesting journey. I, I've seen several people in my clan that already have three characters of each class one for each class that Good are Lord. in the like high 290s. And I'm like, I don't know where you find the hours in the day to do that. Um, 
but it's been um it's been great i as somebody who put several hundred hours into the original destiny and all of the expansions have been very happy with the way that they've overhauled the story and how they have made the in-game uh, or the in-world activities more rewarding and the the gameplay loop is much more satisfying this time around um i'm starting to get a little less salty about the shaders and the microtransactions in the game people do seem to be um, getting over that at some point yeah <laughs> yeah so even um, though it is a kind of shitty thing to do considering they took it away when we had it in the first one you know and people really love customization like that yeah i mean that was my biggest point i mean when it first came out i had a really epic rant on kind of funny games daily about the shaders as somebody who you know, played a lot of Destiny. I was like, but why would you give us, why would you have something that was, you know, such a staple mechanic of the first game and then just take it away for the sake of taking it away? I just, it just didn't make sense to me. And now that I'm a couple of weeks in, I'm not as mad about it, but I'm still, it doesn't, still doesn't sit right with me that you can buy the shaders with real world money and that the drops that you get are completely random and you don't know mm. which ones you're going to get and you kind of have to wait until your favorite comes up for purchase yeah. and then you have to hope that you have enough uh, bright dust to get it. And some people in the world are like, oh, I have so many bright engrams. I have plenty of bright dust. And I'm like, yeah, but I mean, the whole point of getting uh, items through your bright engrams, these this token package of items that you get for leveling up that is that you want to keep them. So I don't just automatically dismantle everything that comes in those packages to get bright dust to buy a shader. That seems kind of worthless. Mm. Um, so it's still a little frustrating because I am flush with shaders now. Luke Smith was not wrong. <laughs> I got a ton of shaders, but they're all gross. It's <laughs> <So>. <laughs> not the colors you want. It's It yeah. just really is a case of you take away something that people obviously enjoyed and the thing is the devs and the publisher clearly knew that people enjoyed the system and like well how can That's we make right. this they want more money for annoying it now, TV. <laughs> yeah yes how can we make this more annoying and you know what's kind of bothersome about it is that if you look at a free to play game like warframe as a free to play game you could understand that they'd be exploited with that but actually they're far fairer when it comes to the shader stuff than destiny is which is a 60 dollar title which is going to have expansion dlc so it's a it's not a good look you know is it a giant deal no but it it's it leaves a sour taste in the mouth when you're looking at a company that does that absolutely and categorically i don't have a problem with microtransactions i just have a problem with principle. the rng nature of which they're implemented in certain games i want to know what i'm buying i have no problem it's becoming a play ten dollars for a skin or a costume that i really want as long as i know i give you this money you give me the product and now we have done a retail exchange Right. Yeah. TV I has am, complained about that a lot with like. It's Overwatch. getting worse. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it, it's just they're putting it in everything now. I, there was a recent announcement that worried me for a little bit that they put it in the new WWE game, and you know a lot about that game is. I love custom. how this is the one that gets you. You're like, I can't. yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, one of the best things wrestling. about <laughs> one of those uh, best things about those games is being able to create your own character, and obviously you need a lot of items to make it look the way you want. So like, oh well, we've got loot boxes now. You can get these items out of. It's like, oh fuck's sake! But you know, it's like, oh well, it's only in-game currency. There's no, you can't buy them. I'm like, yeah, okay, that's fine. But you're still making me roll the dice for the things that I want. I'm like, oh, I want this and it never comes up. I'm like, ah, 
Yeah, that's infuriating at that point. Yeah. I, you've got to provide an alternative. If you're going to include loot boxes, I think they have to be alongside some sort of system that allows you to acquire the thing you want at a price of some description. Now, and, yeah, and when you go game pure that I loot play, box, I kind of fell off the wagon playing it for the last month. Uh, Paragon, the MOBA that Epic uh, makes. Yes, yeah quite a bit of um mm -hmm. and i kind of had to put it aside to play some other stuff that have, has come out but they have a nice system where they will lock specific skins uh behind loot crates but then those skins will eventually be go into the store but otherwise for the That's most part you can just spend money to buy coins and then the coins will then allow you to buy the skins that you want and or if you can you can buy the loot boxes instead and i think that is a much better system alternatives yes you know and that's a free-to-play game and it's it's like you said it's crazy that these free-to-play games who rely so heavily on microtransactions are doing it in a more fair way than games that charge you 60 dollars up front yeah it's very difficult to justify because these systems are becoming more and more predatory and they're clearly exploiting people's tendencies to want to gamble for something and that's they're going to end up bringing regulation in if they keep taking the piss like this. And no, nobody wants the government to get involved in this stuff. But it will happen if they keep pushing. It's already happened in China. It's only a matter of time, especially when you start putting real world value on things. And then suddenly the US government turns around and says, hang on a minute. This is real gambling. This is being used mm -hmm. for money laundering. This is, you know, you got children throwing thousands of dollars around on skins. This is a problem. You know? So, yeah, I, I thought th that that was going to happen with all the CSGO stuff. I thought we that hoped that was it would launch. There's hardcore. still a, I mean, there's still a case going on. There's still a civil case. The FTC didn't kind of go as far as I think a lot of us wanted to on that one, although they did. They did punish them to a certain extent. But it's like you need to put this on the radar of senators and congressmen and they have to understand this. And good luck doing that. Because it's a brave new world of digital microtransactions and weird things that don't really exist. And, you know, that's going to be a problem for quite a few of these 70-year-olds to understand. Somebody will, Yeah, though. I guess I didn't stop to think about how, how do you explain to somebody who's been in Congress for, like, 10 to 20 years, like, what the digital marketplace for weapon skins is. Yeah, <laughs> right. Know? Well, the best the thing... Same way of... of trying to explain like net neutrality and shit to like someone who doesn't even use the internet all that much like yeah hey, well it's it's not a big truck you realize it's a series of tubes series of tubes absolutely oh god yeah. <laughs> it's a series of tubes yeah jesus yeah shout out to ytmnd wherever you're at yeah <laughs> classic website rest in peace yeah i think that's the uh, did this shut ytmnd down finally is it finally dead i don't, I don't know I don't ever died i haven't looked at it since i'm going to ytmnd.com <laughs> It's still up. It still go there, exists. You're get yeah. viruses. I uh, probably not. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I should probably get off yeah. it now. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I, somebody will. Like there'll be an agency that steps in. I would. I'd be very surprised if it wasn't the UK. The UK is. They get on top of that shit pretty quick. Uh, you know, mm. gambling is you know quite legal in the UK, but it's heavily regulated. So they they're not going to let this escape, especially if there's an opportunity for tax revenue from it. And then they start to get very interested very quickly. Definitely. Yeah. We'll I'm see how remember, it goes. Was it England where they tried to make it so that you couldn't spank people in porn? Uh, yeah. 
because the conservative government's terrible and there's yeah, more yeah. See, Wait, so they, so yeah. yeah it was like a bunch of like a so i mean face sitting like, and a bunch of other stuff accidentally gambling they're gonna hop on that shit. oh the conservative <laughs> government got obsessed for a while with censoring porn on the internet for some reason because they're all a bunch of fucking tightwad assholes and they there was a hilarious protest in uh, in front of parliament where there was a bunch of uh, doms and subs that came and protested you know it was a dom just sitting on a guy's face with a sign where he's like i'm fine by the way <laughs> you know all that kind of stuff yeah it's 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 pretty pretty ridiculous well destiny 2 is coming to pc of course this month i think that's what a lot of us are waiting for the pc version looking you know very much superior and controlling better and I'm, I'm going to play it then because I never played the first one because I don't play uh, shooters with controllers. Not a thing. Uh, but yeah, See, keyboard I'm and mouse, I'm in. Opposite. I cannot do mouse and keyboard, but I'm going to plug my controller into my PC to play at you least one character all the way yeah. up through level 20 on PC because every time that I've gotten to play, whether it was in a preview event or in the, the beta, like it just looks so great so i know and i plays better it's so smooth and do the pvp stuff i wouldn't recommend it that's going to be pretty messy yeah. but no you know it'll be bad. Ultimate... i'm aware but like the pve stuff i'll be fine yeah ultimately so, so oh. go ahead i was just go gonna ahead. say it's so funny you and uh my husband sam are exactly the same he does not ever want to play shooters with mouse and keyboard he that's always so wants to play odd. with controllers and i'm like I'll, I'll never understand i'll never get it i'll never yeah. get it that would explain why you'll never play shooters with it's me. how I learned to play. Yeah, it's what you used to. Yeah. And, and once you like get that muscle memory, it's really hard to unlearn it. And it's yeah. not that I can't play it on mouse and keyboards that I haven't practiced. And it took me years to get mediocre at shooters on <laughs> a controller. I can't it imagine was... how much time it would take me to to get good uh, yeah. on mouse and keyboard. <laughs> it was the same with my wife because like she started off with Halo and obviously mm. learned that way. It took her a while to come around to playing stuff, you know, like Prey and Bioshock on the mouse and keyboard. It, it does take getting used to, you know, it is what you learned. Yeah, that's a lot of muscle memory. A lot of us, you know, had 20, 30 years of experience doing it on mouse and keyboard. But I'm looking forward to seeing how it goes because I've never played a Destiny game before. So it'll be interesting to see how it uh, plays. I mean, I'm not really big into looter shooters, but I'll give it a shot. You know, with so many people saying it's great, I'll give it a try, certainly. I keep Dodger. forgetting that I never beat Prey. That game is so It's quite fun. a long game. The ending is, is so good, too. It's yeah, very good game. I need to beat that shit. That game, I I started playing it just kind of on a whim, and I fucking, I got so sucked into that game. It was so fun, but then immediately had to leave on a trip. I can't remember where, but it but might have been to my fun. wedding. It might have yeah, been to my uh, wedding. I can't that's remember. That's a pretty good excuse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that game, I played it on... I played it on easy the entire way through. Go ahead, judge me if you want to. I feel no shame about it. No one's that. judging you here. Um, and it was still really difficult, even on like the very easy mode. The whole way, it was really challenging. So I think I think that'd be right up your alley. Mm. It's yeah. a, it's a very cool like immersive sim. Like it, it it takes a lot of creativity in that game to sort of solve problems. Sometimes not with a gun, you know, there are other ways to do it and there are better ways to do it. And that's what's so cool about it. It's like Deus Ex, you know, finding ways around combat, especially in the older games where you had a lot more freedom than the newer ones was really like most of the fun of that game. Well, I remember when it when it first came out, everybody was like, man, this game has a lot of issues. Like it's got a lot of bugs. And I have yet bad. to run into any. 
I think I it was got, a lot down that big like IGN review. In. Yeah, IGN had a big save bug, and then there was the infamous thing of them giving 4 out of 10 because of that, and, like, nobody else well, had that Jenna, save like, bug. Jenna, like, fell so. through the world, right? Yes, she Jenna did. Jenna was playing yeah, it and yeah, literally Jenna, just, like, fell through Jenna beat the whole died. thing, spent, like, a good 30 hours playing. She did definitely encounter some bugs, like, falling through the world and stuff like that, but she never had that save bug. Uh, yeah. That corruption bug was fixed, like, in the review bill before it even went out, so... I didn't even finish Prey, though. It's it's one of those, oh, God, they came out at the wrong time. I was doing other things, games, that yeah. I need to wrap up at the end of the year. Uh, but, yes, you, uh, you were playing what, Dodger? You were... What have you been playing this week? Cuphead. Is that, that's it, right? Only I've Cuphead? just been playing Cuphead. Okay, I've just been enough. playing Cuphead. I'm so sorry. I'm not bringing a lot right, to the table that's fine. this week. You don't have to do it every week. It's all good. <laughs> uh, I've been playing a couple of things. I can talk a little bit about uh, Ruiner. That's really good. Uh, oh, yeah. I got to oh, play yeah. that on Max West, and I, I have a code for that game, uh, but I haven't installed it yet. But it the time that I played with it was really fantastic, and I'm generally not, like, super drawn to twin-stick games like that, but it was it's really well done. So tell me, yeah. uh, what do you think about it? Yeah, I, I think uh, I'm of the same opinion. You know, I'm not massively into twin sticks, but I was getting a good Hotline Miami vibe from this with a bit of fury thrown in for good measure. So you end up with some really awesome game mechanics and a lot of choice when it comes to skill. You know, fury is a very limited game. You get your whole skill set from the very start, and then it's all bosses. This game's got a bit of an overworld to it. It's got this cool town full of weird denizens, one dressed like a cat. There's another one who is... Not wearing many clothes, but she invites you to a club once you've died uh, 50 times. So some weird faction thing going on. Not really sure what's going on there. I think I've almost died 50 times, so I should be able to find out in a bit. But <laughs> um, it's it's a good amount of dungeon running. Like It almost feels like a little bit of a looter game because there is quite a lot of loot. You pick up weapons like Hotline Miami, so they've got a limited amount of ammo or durability, and once they're gone, they're gone. So you often have to adapt to what's on the floor and just like roll with whatever that is. And then, of course, you have a set of powers. The interesting thing about it is you can respect them at any time. You can literally respect them in the middle of a fight, I think, which is very strange. Huh. Uh, so you've got a... Uh, I set up with a shield, which can reflect projectiles and absorb damage. I've got a shock grenade, which you can use to temporarily stun people. I found that very effective against bosses. You take the shield down, you shock them, and then you just unload a shotgun as fast as you can into them for max damage. And it's a very dodge-oriented game. Like, you can actually queue up multiple dodges, and when you go for dodge, it uh, hits bullet time. So you've got a bit of time to plan, and you could say, I want to dodge here, then here, then here, to get around this so that I can then charge up my weapon and shoot him in the back before he can react. Um, there, there's a lot of twitch in the game, obviously, but it does give you some opportunities. If you get shot at initially, it kicks in a little bit of bullet time to give you a little bit of time to react. Uh, you kill stuff very quick, but you also die very quick as well. So it's one of those, just like Hotline Miami, you know, you can go on a murder spree and feel really powerful, but simultaneously one guy could slap you down and just bring you back to reality and say, you know what? You're getting a bit cocky there. Let's, uh, you know, uh, pull back on the throttle a little bit. It's got a yeah, really cool last... Oh, no, sorry. Go ahead. No, go no, for it. Go for it. Uh, go for it. Oh, I was going to say, it's got a, a really interesting kind of lore going on. So yes. you play as this guy who has a mask on, like full covered uh, mask. And the mask is like hacking his brain and yes. trying to tell him that he needs to go murder this person. And that's why he's kind of like on this quest to figure out why he's trying to murder this person. And then you have this woman character who is trying to save you by hacking into 
in and trying to like um kind of like I don't know, diffuse what's happening yeah. so that you're you don't trying to find your brother. Like, yeah, that's the whole <laughs> thing. Like they apparently have your yeah. brother, and that's why you're being forced into it. She also keeps calling you puppy for whatever reason. She yeah, refers to you as puppy, which is a bit odd. And she flashes up like in the middle of it's like if someone had literally hacked your brain. You've got I all these I, things I that suddenly I flash saw up. It in some of the footage. That yeah. She like popped up and was like, like that girl? Is that her? Yes, that's her. Yeah. So that's she kind of looks a little bit like Diva from Overwatch. Uh, but yeah, she'll she'll uh, she'll give you encouragement if you do well, and also just shit on you if you don't. It's like, come on, you can do better than that. She'll grade you. I think she's just grading you for fun, honestly. But the world, right. as you said, is a bit weird. It's like a cyberpunk world. I think it's called Heaven. And everything you can do is based on your karma level. So when you do mm. things, in this case, often killing stuff, you raise in karma. So you, be, you know, the guys will react differently to you in the town. You get access to areas you wouldn't have before. And you also get access to new skills and stuff as well. So it acts as a leveling system too. And otherwise, it is a you know, boss rush and uh, dungeon crawler game. But the bosses are... Oh, God. Some of them are terrifying. The one I'm about to show you on screen right now, you might have seen a gif of this from Devolver. It's called, she's called Mother. She's fucking devastating. It's this robot with a <laughs> giant laser beam. And you have to dodge and hold your shield up. If you don't, the laser is instant kill. So mm. you, you've got to mostly have your shield up. But after that, um, if it runs out and you're not dodging, you are dead. Like You could reflect the laser, but you, you just instantly explode. So... It's a difficult game. It's definitely challenging. But there are, because you can respec your skills all the time, you can make the game easier by adapting your trained skills to the boss encounter in question. So I could make this fight easier maybe by putting more points in the shield and maybe taking a, a health boost so that I could last a little longer or increasing the number of dodges I have, Holy for instance. Holy shit, she fucks you up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, they're not oh, yeah. messing around. She's crazy. Yeah, so I've enjoyed it a lot. I think it's flown under the radar a little bit because obviously another really hard boss rush game comes out of the form of Cuphead and everyone looks at that. Uh, this Great. did come out a week before Cuphead, but it's sort of been ignored a little bit as a result. It's a shame. It's a, it's a very enjoyable game. I'm not big into bosses, but a lot of the game isn't bosses. It's killing goons. And the goons are still dangerous, but they're super satisfying to murder in combos. So it's a very nice bit of ultra violence, and the soundtrack's really good <laughs> if you like dark cyberpunk kind of stuff. So yeah, oh, yeah. yeah the music is great. really excellent. Um, it and is. it's all um, original composition. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, sorry, the city's called Rengok South, and the super mega company is called Heaven. Apparently, you're supposed to destroy Heaven or whatever it is. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Tricky. Classic. Tricky stuff. Tricky stuff, but. It's a fun game, nonetheless. Uh, speaking of tricky stuff, I've been playing quite a bit more XCOM, continuing with War and the Chosen. Go on. Yes, because, you know, I <laughs> play easy games like XCOM. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, I I think I'm making it, but only barely. You know, I'm starting to lose really key parts of my squad, and I'm worried that I eventually will not have enough good enough troops to actually beat them. But, you know, it's... It's still like the really tense, awesome experience. It always was the, but there's a couple of things in that game that, uh, in expansion anyway, that I don't like. Uh, there's some really good stuff. The chosen, which are the kind of nemesis style special monsters that constantly hunt you and get better as they're hunting you. I had one where um, she captured a couple of my soldiers, learned where my base was, and attacked it directly with a huge force. And I had a special mission to repulse her. That was really yeah. great. Uh, so yeah, she was 
Uh, she, uh, you know, she'll pop up in a mission and be annoying, and you've got to deal with the three individual chosen, hunt them down. And de the only way to permanently kill them, I think, is to destroy their sort of palace. Otherwise, they just keep coming back. You can kill them in a mission, and they'll leave for that mission, but they are right back in there. The thing I don't like about the game, they included a third faction called the Lost, which are basically zombies, and I am increasingly frustrated by their presence. They will really. I enjoy yeah. the last because they're so satisfying to kill. They are, but later on in the game, like the the headshot mechanic, which you use to constantly just chain kill them, they get so tough that more often than not you can't do that anymore. Uh, so initially mm -hmm. you're up against lost that have two or three hit points, so you could just like get your pistol out, boom, 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 headshot, headshot, headshot. But right. against these guys, like the the brutes, now have about twelve HP where I am right now in the game, and even the regular lost have about six or seven. So a, a pistol shot probably won't kill them. And while it's cool to have them attack the advent and have them sort of disrupt the advent's activities, they just they keep coming, and it, they end up really making a mission a lot longer than they should. Uh, it's like it, they're not a huge challenge to fight, but they're really dragging the game out for me to the mm. point. I think there's an option to turn Lost off. I might in my next run do that. Maybe I'll crank the difficulty up in another area, but I just don't think the Lost are that fun to fight. And I think they really pad missions out to absurd extents. And not to mention, being punished for using explosives is never fun. You make it use an explosive, it brings another swarm of Lost at you. And it's like 10 to 12 enemies all the time. It's like, fuck me, this is just on and on and on and on. And uh, I think it affects the pacing of the missions a bit too much. So I like their ideas, but I you know I think implementation is not brilliant on that. Uh, so right. I made I might download a mod which maybe makes them easier to kill or if possible I I said I think there's an option just to turn them off in the game. Off, yeah, yeah, I think that that's better. It's just better, you know that. Um, I understand what they're trying to do with it. I don't think it ended up working out that well. I would be more interested in seeing just. A bigger variety of enemies for the advent. I've noticed there's a lot of humanoid enemies in that game. The first game had a lot of weird-looking enemies, and it does make sense in the lore, because, of course, they've been there for 20 years, and they've kind of hybridized with the population, so, of course, they're going to look more human. But in the first game, you're up against some real creepy-looking shit. You know, the Thin Men look crazy, things like the Cyber Discs, and all these other weird alien-looking things. And now... Everything looks a bit too human for my liking. Like the, they added a new enemy called the Spectre, and it's just another suited humanoid that can turn yeah. into a cloud. And it's like, uh, you know, I was yeah, more. I, I mean, the I, as much as I enjoy fighting the Lost, um, I was kind of disappointed that they were basically like, let's just put zombies in the game. Yeah, <laughs> you know. I don't know if... I, I'm pretty far in the game. I mean, I have plasma weapons, which I think is the best tier in the game right now, so I'm pretty far in. And I've, there's only ever three types of Lost. There's the Lost, the Lost Dasher, and the Lost either Bruiser or Brute. And I'm like, well, if you vary... The, and they all look the same, too. Like, one just has a few more green glowing things on it. If they varied that faction up a little bit and put some more interesting stuff in there, then maybe I'd like it. But as far as I'm concerned, it's just a big roadblock that ends up being Do a pain. Do you know if it's the same team that did the full game that is that worked on this expansion or is it a separate team it's it's the same same team and i appreciate it's the same lead jake solomon who's doing it so it's it you know they wanted to pack this with content and they decided this is a good idea i don't think it was you know i think it it didn't work out so well uh everything else in the game i think is pretty great uh the, the new factions are awesome the new skills uh you know more weapon types is good more buildings is good 
the covert operation stuff is really great. The orders that you can give, which really affect the place that and the chosen are excellent. Uh, so you've got a lot more to manage. I, I, I felt in the previous version of the game, like there were times when you just were waiting for something to happen. You're never in this game. There's always some things like, you've got to go do this and this and this. Like it's constant, uh, which I think is great. But yeah, like I said, I don't think the Lost were hugely well implemented. Otherwise, though, I, I mean, I love the game to death. It's, it's great. I, uh, I, I've definitely rage quit plenty of times. You know, it's like, oh, great. My so top three best guys just got killed. Or I made, you know, I just got crit and someone went down and you've got to say, well, that's XCOM. Uh, but yeah, it's sometimes just like, I'm going to hold F1. I'm going to leave this for a while. All right. <laughs> We've had quite enough of that. All right. Jesse, what you got? Uh, so I just, I played a lot of games this week, but I just played a game this morning that I can't tell if I love it or if I hate it. Uh, it's okay. called Let Them Come. It just came out. Ah, yes. Um, it is straight up just a game where you play as a guy with a machine gun in a hallway and right. wave after wave of enemies come at you. Okay. And it starts you up. Them come. Uh, yes. Yeah, it starts up immediately. The game just starts when you load in and it's like shoot like shit. Yeah. And these monsters come at you and uh, they all look like various types of Zerg almost. And, uh, you know, you just gun them down and then eventually they just overwhelm and kill you. And then it's like, okay, now you can like level up and use all the money you've earned killing these guys to like make your character better. Okay. The, Sounds pretty simple so far. The the problem that I have with it is, at its core, seems pretty cool. I like the, the the way you can like equip new types of bullets or body armor or like change different things. There's the space bar eventually becomes a um, it, it can either be a knife or a bat or like you can upgrade whatever it becomes. You can like knock back enemies as they jump at you mm -hmm. and sort of like so, so you're doing multiple things at the same time. It's fine. But I can't help but feel like it is just a not cookie clicker, but like whatever the step <laughs> above that is. Mm. Like whatever that That's an interesting analogy. Um, <laughs> I also didn't realize this was 2D until yeah. I looked at yeah. it. Yeah, I just clicked on it. It literally is. You're in a hallway gunning shit down and then getting upgrades. And that, that and that's could it. be yeah. fun. That's and, like a good as, hour's as worth you, of fun, maybe. Yeah, like as you play, you get combo bonuses and eventually you unlock things. And um, you can unlock anything. So there's green items and orange items. And orange items are temporary things. Like you get a missile system that joins you for a little bit. Green items are bonuses and buffs. The problem is, and this is what I can't figure out yet, and I only might have spent like 45 minutes playing. Um, the It tells you early on, like, wait, because when you get, like, let's say you pick um, point bonus. Point bonus will pop up on the screen. It'll start A bar will start filling. And it says to you, like, hey, when you get close to the top, press uh the mouse button or space or whatever mm -hmm. it says and the closer you are to the top the more of whatever it is you get i'm like okay, okay that seems simple but every time i press it it like zooms all the way up to the top and it's like done i'm like wait so did i do it right or <laughs> did i fuck up like i don't know and then it says like overshot and i don't know if that means like i overshot the goal or if i now have a power-up called overshot i'm no. like i don't know what's happening I actually, weirdly enough, uh, it happened right on the screen with the footage just as you said that. Yeah, it's clear like you've got to hit the button before it does that. So it's a bit of a risk reward thing. So if yeah, you overshoot it, you don't get the bonus. And and there's, it, yeah, it's interesting. There's a lot of uh, things like that where I'm not quite sure. But what I did, I, I was going to make a video. I was going to make a uh, coxies of it, but I don't think it like is coxies material. Like once you see five minutes of it, you're like, okay, I know what this game is. But what I did discover is that uh, if you go back to the menu, there is a Twitch mode 
which allows Twitch to okay. basically be the horde and oh, come at really? you. Oh, really? And fuck with you? Which okay, I think that... super fun. That's so, kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. So I like that idea. I'm like, okay, so I'll definitely give that a go and stream that. Yeah, do point. it like a stream for an hour and see if, you know, that is entertaining. Yeah. I mean, it is only a $4 that. game. It's not, you know, it's obviously just a, you know, little brainless little uh, time waster, but looks all right. You know, it's it's my favorite part, even though you can't see it on the screen right now, uh, the head of the guy, it, it's very um, uh, Doom-esque, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Doom-esque, where he starts bleeding and stuff. But as yeah. the longer you hold down your fire button, his mouth is like, ah, yeah. so good. I love that. I That's think it's cool. little stuff like that. I love Um, it's not a, like it's it's a pretty interesting game. It was fun to play, but I don't know if it's like going to be a fun to watch kind of thing i was gonna say mm, i was looking at the not. footage it's kind of hard to watch for me because of the flashes from the gun yeah i don't know that's a great to watch game but i do think the interactivity and the the twitch functionality is pretty cool and the people um i'm not sure if it's whatever they send or if it's they become that monster but it shows each monster has a name of someone in your chat so oh, really fun. so you get to murder your subs yeah. okay that's neat yeah I think that's cool. I, I like there's there's definitely a layer that I was not so there is no duck mechanic. And the very first boss I encountered has he shoots a giant wave at you and it just hits you. And I have no okay. idea how to defend against that. He just kept killing me over and over again. I was like, I don't I don't know what to press to get out of Maybe that. Maybe there's he like just, a weak point that can cancel it before it hits you or something. Uh. I, that's yeah. So I switched up to like shock bullets thinking I could shock him, and all it did was like make him like electric. Uh, okay. I got a riot shield. I was like, oh, that will work. But then I realized the riot shield only works against small projectiles. And I was like, I have right. no clue. So I, yeah, okay. I tried hard, but I, I couldn't. I tried to, I got so far. But with, it's obviously harder than Cuphead, obviously. Yeah, uh, obviously. Indeed. Uh, and then, um, God, what else did I play? I played, uh, I like to have to look at my desktop. I played um, a little bit of Hat in Time, which ah, is. Yes. Oh, yeah. How's that? Like, okay. I'm very excited for that game. Imagine, imagine you just bought your N64 and imagine this game came out on that. That's the same, like overjoyed reaction. Like it is awesome. It is, it, it takes you back to a time, uh, when that like 3d platformer puzzle solving where there are a few enemies and you like sort of bop them a little bit, but it's mostly about the puzzle solving and, um, finding new hats and creating new ways of getting through levels. It is, it's super, super charming. And um, like, I I can't even, like the best way I can describe it is take all of those old school uh, platform, those 3D platformers and just a newer version of that. And make, it, them, it, make them good, make them not like ukulele. That's what I'm saying. I was literally about to say that. I didn't want to like shit on oh, ukulele, no. but like, like <laughs> I, like, I want it, it, it Gave me the feeling ukulele did not is what I'm right. trying to say. Right. Okay. And That'll be so, interesting. Yeah. She's and, so cute. Yeah, this is a game that has been in development for a long time. I remember playing this two years ago on a demo, and it's super fun. Um, they've added voice acting, and uh, it, they've really tightened up all the mechanics, and it's just a great time. It's really, truly a genuinely fun game. So. Uh, I, I 
on the screen right now you just saw like you go to a, you go to a recording studio that's like one of the levels each level is very different one level is like a mob level or like mobsters who run this town but because it's a silly three platformer the town is like wait this is this couldn't be a town did it's, you get just get points for penguin harassment it popped up yep. on the screen or did yeah. you lose points for that it just said destruction of property and then penguin harassment like what the fuck it's great that's yeah, that's interesting. I mean, a lot of people were disappointed by ukulele, so maybe this will be the collectathon platformer this year that they mm. are looking for. What yeah, about Knack slick. Two? Don't forget about Knack Two. I think everybody <laughs> should forget about Knack Two as quickly as possible, if that's possible. I can't forget about Knack Two. Why? I can't forget about it because like I never that? remembered it I to begin with. I did not think Knack sounded like that. My, oh, I can't handle Knack. All right. No. Club Why can't even handle Knack. But it's like not a tough badass. I don't get it. He Ice literally throws nice. a man off a cliff. Off a cliff, TB. Because they're trying desperately to find some sort of character for this pile of polygons, and they just have failed to do so. That's the main problem with the damn thing. It's like, oh, they're going to be a new mascot. Well, it's a pile of triangles. Well, I think if we're talking about 3D platformers, this one looks really cute, but don't forget, Super Lucky's Tale is still coming this year. It is, yeah. Uh, some people might have played that on VR. It was one of the launch titles with the Oculus. Dude, I played the hell of that game. I had fun yeah. with it when I, when it's I played it. It's pretty good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I didn't really dig it on VR because it was like, well, this doesn't really help. You know, being on VR isn't really... Sick. Like the, the yeah. high jumps from mm. like the top platforms to the lower ones. Like I got nauseous instantly. I had to take the headset off, walk away. Yeah, it was it was not well designed for that. But as a regular platformer, it would probably work quite well, I would think. So Let's... yeah, we'll see how that goes. Talk Hob. Let this us game, talk Hob. Yeah. Yes. How's Hob? The shit. It is so good. Um, You play as a... I'm going to say... It's a lob, Hobgoblin, right? I don't know what you're supposed to be. I my theory is that Hob, you <clears throat> basically plays this little guy and then a robot, <clears throat> and the robot helps you in some way that I'm not going to spoil. Mm -hmm. And my theory is Hob because it's so Zelda-like. Hob is the name of the robot because, <laughs> like Zelda, you play as this game's Link. That's my theory. I'm sticking to it. Uh, but it, it is a phenomenal game where you. Like, imagine all the fun, like, Zelda-y shit that Zelda is known for with puzzle solving and moving stuff around the world and accessing new abilities that then allow you to do new things around the world. You have a giant robot gauntlet arm that you can use to change the level. You can, like, mash certain things where shit will just move. Or you can uh, press into the ground and, like, things will raise and lower. Um, they're... they're all these different enemies and boss fights so that the arm becomes a shield and you have a sword that you can use. Um, it, it's like legit a fantastic Zelda-like game. It uh, is. It's beautiful. It is. Uh, the story so far is really, really good. Um, I can't stress enough that people should just check this out because uh, I know a lot of people ever, look, a lot of people love new Zelda. They love Breath mm -hmm. of the Wild. But everyone was like, it feels too open worldly and not like Zelda. Mm -hmm. This is this is that this is the Zelda. It's this more directed what... experience, more linked to yeah, the past. This definitely draws game. from previous Zelda games more than Breath of the Wild, which try to go a different direction. Yes. Uh, and so it's really, really fun to check out. There's um so basically you have your sword, which then you can upgrade by collecting sword shards. There's a bunch of uh um like dead versions of you. Like it's, around the world, but they're not you. Okay. Just 
people who look very similar to you and they all have uh, sword shards that you can find there is stuff you can use to upgrade your gauntlet there are outfits that you can find that then change it's very much zelda -y. you can ch it changes sort of what your skill set uh, not skill set your um various like uh, the green outfit makes you faster but it lowers your hit points like that kind of stuff and so uh yeah it, it just takes all those Zelda vibe goodnesses and like puts it in this game and if that's your jam check it out it's fun you can Sushi. cut grass i'm in you yeah, can. Absolutely. <laughs> the first thing i noticed was like you can cut the grass that's all i need for a game like yeah. this yeah. can't have a Zelda like game without that the thing i really loved about hob is that the whole world almost feels like it's one giant machine because it actually kind of is so mm -hmm. what you do in the world has a very tangible effect on it you will see everything moving and reshaping as you continue to progress through it. That was really satisfying to me. And it also helped give a very visual indicator of what I was supposed to do next. There's some nice little subtle cues, like uh, there's a little bird that will occasionally hang around the thing you're supposed to jump on. So you'll get a bit of an indicator as to where you're going. Of course, the robot will occasionally lead you to places. So in games like this, I often get lost because I have the sense of direction of a two-year-old. But in this case... I had a lot more fun with it simply because they put a lot of effort into making sure you didn't get lost, you know, yeah, and the solving so of the puzzles cute. wasn't mm -hmm. too crazy oh. or anything. Yeah, Punch uh, that gate. There we go. Yeah, the, oh, yeah. the different power-ups and stuff that you can do are great. The uh, way you can level up your gauntlet and use it to change the world is super cool. Um, yeah. He's right. The way the world changes is unexpected sometimes, too. So... Yes. You'll punch a thing or you'll hit something and it might change for the better or it might unlock because there's this weird creep. It kind of like Yeah, kind of like and, angry evil plant thing that's infecting everything. Yeah, and it, it's sort of taking over the world and sometimes you'll be like, okay, what does this do? And now you're stuck in, in an area just filled with that shit. And you're like, oh, cool. What do I do now? That's good, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, quite a bit of backtracking. If you're not into that sort of thing, uh, backtracking when you have a new ability. So you get the little Metroidvania stuff in there, but it's not the sort of perspective you usually get from a Metroidvania game. It's often like 2D, you know, very much the 3D, not isometric, but pseudo-isometric perspective. It's, it is some good stuff. Like, I think that that's definitely a game that's in at risk of being overshadowed just because of the number of games that have come out the last few weeks that are just so goddamn awesome, both AAA yeah. and uh, and on the indie side of things. It would be a shame for it to be ignored because it's an interesting new title from guys that probably could have just continued to rely on Torchlight for a long time and kept making Torchlight games. They decided, no, we want to make something new and make something unique, and uh, Hobbs gorgeous and plays really well and has a lot of enjoyment for those of you that are looking for a Zelda-like experience. Totally. And I think that's a big market of people. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think so. We'll see, we'll see how that market translates on PC. Um, mm -hmm. I believe it's also available on console. So also, maybe... one of the things that I noticed uh, that I think is really cool is over time, if you go and rest, stuff in the world like grows. So if you start cutting down grass, it will eventually grow back. That's cool. Uh, and I was like, oh. So like, if you log out and you come back in, the world sort of refreshes a little bit. That's nice. I was like, oh, that's nice. Yeah. I played uh, quite a bit of the new Call of Duty World War II better. Give that a try. Mm. How's um, that? Well, I, initially I played it and I wasn't all that impressed because, like, well, map's kind of small. It's just Call of Duty and you can't, you know, jetpack around anymore. The weapons felt okay, but, you know, Call of Duty never really has that 
the really meaty weapons. Uh, the sounds are always just a bit off compared to like Battlefield or something like Red Orchestra. Of course, the gunplay is a lot easier because there's not a lot of recoil. But then I found the war mode. And that is what changed my mind on the game completely. Uh, so there was a game back in the day that many of you might remember called Wolfenstein Enemy Territory. And the guys that made that, Raven Software, a lot of them now work in the various Call of Duty teams, uh, either development or doing support for DLC. Their influence has obviously got in here because war the war mode is basically Wolfenstein Enemy Territory. Like, even down to the fact that there are basically now five classes in the game called Divisions that you can mm. level up to, like, level 10 and get a different ability every time. That's literally the same mm. <laughs> as, like, what Enemy Territory did. And it's a multi-objective uh, stopwatch mode, meaning that you start on one side, you complete as many objectives as you can, and then you play the other side and try and beat the other guy's time. So the one they have in the beta is one where, if you're playing the Allies, you first have to assault an Axis Command Center. Uh, which means you know, break in there, break through the walls, take it. And it takes about a minute to capture. Then you move on and there's a broken bridge. You have to repair the bridge. All the while you're taking sniper fire, machine gun fire and everything like that. So that's pretty tough because it's an objective mode in a game where people don't often play the objective. So people were really bad at it. <laughs> they also didn't seem to know that there was a smoke grenade in the game. So it was that's very important for that because otherwise you'll just get picked off by a sniper. So once we started figuring it out, it's like, hey, smoke the bridge. I'm going to go repair it and everything. That was really cool. And you can um, build emplacements and walls and barricades and stuff. So in the first level, you could build up the barricades, repair the walls, and the Allies had to put charges on the walls to blow their way through to get another additional entrance. Otherwise, it becomes a giant meat grinder because there's only two doors into the command center. So it kept, keeps going, and there's eventually, if you get that far, a tank phase where one's driving a tank and the other side has to stop the tank, which, again, is straight out of enemy territory. That was in that. There was a bank robbery level, which involved using a tank to blow up uh, the doors to the bank. That mode is really good. I loved it. I love these multi-objective modes. Uh, there's a game called Dirty Bomb, which is a very popular free-to-play shooter that has that, and it does it really well. Putting it in this game was a great idea. Uh, it's going to require the player base to get used to the fact that you have to play the objective and actually work together properly as a team, uh, especially on that fucking bridge, because it becomes a just a meat grinder. Yeah. I'm really happy to hear that this mode exists. When I played the PS4 beta, maybe I just didn't find it or it wasn't in the PS4 beta. It might but, not be. um, I played just regular PvP and um, I got real bored of that really quickly. Yeah, because it's uh, the same modes and the same COD, right? You know, you've played yeah. this 5,000 times before. That mode, is, that mode makes it, uh, absolutely makes it. If they've got enough good maps in it and the map design is a concern because the maps are very small... Uh, in the beta anyway. We haven't seen all of them yet, of course. If they have really good objective maps, I'll play the game just for that. Uh, because I love that mode so much and I want that enemy territory feel back again because it was one of my favorite FPS of all time, really. Also, mm -hmm. bayonet charges are in the game now. So I was defending the command center and I got the class which has the bayonet. So I was hiding around the corner, saw someone like, ah, poke, and then backed off, ah, poke, and just kept doing it. And like, just, just did a crazed bayonet charge at the enemy. They had no idea what it was because I think everyone was playing a different class. So what the fuck are you doing? Just stab, 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 get him, get him. And that, that, was, that was really fun. Um, they dropped various power-ups like flamethrowers and rocket launchers and stuff throughout the uh, stage of it as well. And it just keeps the game interesting because you're always, you're, you know, you're slowly moving on to a different objective in a different part of the map. So you don't get bored because you're playing the same thing over and over again. 
That's Does it feel like so? This is clearly a PvP. So you take turns doing each side. Yes, one what you play Axis once and then you set your time. You try and complete the objectives. Most time you don't finish it, so you have a timer. And then the other guys try and get further than you. Did you find that one side was inherently easier than the other side? Um, because of the bridge, I think Axis is easier because no one had figured out smoke grenades are an uh, unlock and they're not default. So most people didn't have them. And as a result of not having the smoke grenades, you can put a couple of snipers in the buildings and then you can build a machine gun nest and just mow down everybody that tries to get to the bridge. So mm-hmm. I th- that was much easier, but it is something people will learn eventually. Once they play enough of that, they're going to realize, okay, that's where the snipers are going to be. We've got to keep them pinned down. We've got to put the smoke down to cover our guys playing the objective. Once they've got that, I think it'll be fine. Uh, but it's it's hard to call balance right now because people are just so bad at it that it's not indicative of how it should play. Mm. But I like that. If that mode was not in, I would be saying this game is dull. You know, it's it's more of the same. They just went back to World War II again. But because of that mode, I will buy it on launch and probably play quite a lot of it. Yeah, but that story trailer, though, I'm in. Yeah, oh, we'll see. I mean, Call of Duty has executed on their single player campaign like without fail, like pretty much every game. They've been really fun to play, like super popcorn blockbuster movies, but I don't care because it's so well done. Like just I don't care if it's on rails. Um, but the the PvP has just really almost siphoned itself into such a small uh, like Venn diagram of an audience who can mm-hmm. continue playing that game. It's like, yeah. if you haven't been actively playing, then getting in now is almost impossible. Yeah. I mean, it became extremely difficult when you had several games where they did the jetpack and slides and wall running stuff. Like if you played modern warfare and then you suddenly jumped into that, you were going to get absolutely destroyed. This should be a bit easier because they've taken all that stuff out. So you don't have to worry about that anymore. The changes they've made, they have the, these five divisions that you can unlock. You can still use your whole create a class thing. But if you pick a division and then you level up that, you get special powers. Like there's a special primary weapon at the end for every division. Uh, I played initially the assault, uh, kind of heavy assault class, who has a trench gun and incendiary shells. So you can load these incendiary shells and set people on fire with them. Um, the assault, the regular infantry ha- division has the bayonet. You get a rocket launcher, I think, with the anti-tank. Uh, so there's a there's another layer on top of that, but it's not a layer that's going to immediately intimidate new players. Where some guy is basically Neo, and you're like, I can't hit this bastard. Uh, you know, people are still <laughs> going to be on the ground. Uh, and the weapons, because they're more familiar, you know, everyone knows how a Garen shoots or an MP40 because they played a hundred games with them in versus the futuristic laser gun thingy wow does this shoot i don't even know what's going on and so far no crazy loot drops with more powerful weapons than them please for the love of god don't they've already got a coin system in the game though so i think we're gonna end up getting it ah jesus uh not surprising though (laughs) no uh, it's just it annoys me how insidious they were with it because they snuck it in it initially was just oh it's skins i'm like all right and then it was like, now you literally get better guns. I'm like, what? No, what are you doing? You're literally just making the rich get richer there. You know, mm-hmm. if you, you, as you are exactly saying, Andrea, people have played this game for years and then have these special guns. I'm going to slap you silly. 
Yeah. I mean, that's what I felt when I was playing in the beta and why I didn't spend that much time in it. Cause it's like, well, I'm forced to die all the time for at least my first dozen matches in order for me to even progress to like second or third level mm -hmm. to get like the basic unlocks in order to make it to where I can actually compete is going to require me to go into each match knowing that I'm going to just be outgunned. And that's a really frustrating way to play. Yeah. Mm. Usually, and this is weird that they didn't do this in the beta, that they give you a default class, which usually has some higher level stuff. Um, but this time they didn't. Like, it's full on, you start the game with iron sights. And for some inexplicable reason in a World War II game, they put a fucking reflex sight in it. What? Uh, they there was a reflector style sight that used to be used on anti-aircraft guns and there was one for shotgun didn't look anything like this the re reflex sight is objectively better than the irons in every situation so you've got to have played a few matches to get the re the reflex sight so anyone that has the reflex sight when you don't is going to have an advantage over you and that is very very silly it's it's just like come on i get the whole customization thing but Start people off with a class that is has a full suite of abilities and then let them customize later. That's the best way to go about it. And this game, at least in the beta, didn't didn't do that at all. So you started off with basic stuff, and there were obviously some weapons that were clearly better than others. So I hope they get that under control. Like I said, war mode's fine. We'll see how the single player is. I love the original Call of Duty single player. It, I think it's a monumental. It's one of the best campaigns that's ever been made in FPS. Having all those... Uh, you know, there was a level based on enemy at the gates, which was so good. The You know, even when you started off where you don't have a gun, it's like, you get the ammo. One, when he drops the rifle, you pick up the rifle. That was all in there. Bridge too far. Um, the longest day. Uh, that was all great. I hope they go in that direction and give you a little bit more of a feeling of you're playing with an army. That's what the last few games haven't felt like because you're like, you're stuck behind these other people and they're opening doors for you and shit. I, in the first game, you really felt like you were part of an army fighting. And I never got that feeling out of the more recent Call of Duty games. Mm. I think that's about it, really. Unless anyone else has got anything else that they've been messing about with? Nope. Nope? Cool. All right, we'll go to a break. When we come back, news and releases, ladies and gents. We've been filtering through the releases, as always, to find you the stuff that's actually worth a look. We found a few things, so hopefully that will be useful to you. A few things here and there. I don't know if I don't think Jess is going to include Shark Simulator in that, but hey, there you go. Nonsense. Maybe this is maybe this is finally how you overcome the fear, Jesse. Become the fear. Like no? Batman. Yes, become the bat shark. The bat shark. The bat shark. That's terrifying. Terrifying. <laughs> and I'm going to leave you to think about that terror during the break. You're watching the Quapshell Podcast. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the co-optional podcast. Speaking of swag, by the way, I just got my, I think it's my collector's edition of Cold Sept Revolt came in, uh, which is probably a game most people don't play. It was a weird, I played the last one on the 360. It was a weird mix of Magic the Gathering and Monopoly, probably the best way to describe it. And the box had some really cool stuff in it. Um, usual art book and everything, but they included a set of foil cards um, for the game which is pretty sick. And they give you these two really heavy cold sep dice. It's like, these weigh a ton. They're like solid metal. Really awesome. So that's that for 3DS. I'm going to find my 3DS charger now to play that. I used to love playing cold sep in 360. It's really fun. All right. Anyway, that was just an aside. I wanted to show it off. I thought it was kind of neat. Right. News. 
Here's something that's not neat. So, Nintendo have decided to do as a Nintendo does and do something stupid regarding YouTube again. So, you'll maybe aware there's something in place called the Nintendo Partner Program on YouTube, and this partner program is basically what you have to be a part of if you wish to monetize Nintendo videos. Otherwise, they will happily claim all of your videos' revenue, because there are sack of dicks like that. Well, if you want to be part of the partnership program, you have to give a lovely, tasty 40 to 50% of your revenue to Nintendo. Yep, you have to pay them for the privilege of advertising their product. Sounds great. Why would anyone take that deal? I don't know, but some people definitely did, because a lot of the Nintendo channels really didn't have much of a choice about it. It's either that yeah, or that lose the all their revenue. There were so many channels that literally just relied on Nintendo yeah. for all of their content. So. There was a huge shakedown and a massive slap in the face to people that had been supporting that company for a while. There is another program, which I can't remember, that may be called the Creator Program or something, where that doesn't happen. And I know a couple of people that are on that program. I think some of the major channels managed to avoid the Nintendo tax by being as part of that program. But that's also more of a promotional deal, so they're promoting and being sponsored to do Nintendo stuff. Whereas everybody else is having to pay for the privilege. Well, and that was bad enough to the point where we don't even show Nintendo footage on this show anymore because there's a risk they might claim our whole show. It was a couple of years ago that they claimed the entire podcast, all three hours of it, over 50 seconds of a Pokemon trailer. So, needless to say, we do not show their footage anymore. Now, however, they've gone one step further and they've decided that if you are a part of this Nintendo program, you are no longer allowed to stream video games on YouTube using YouTube Live. Any of them. As far as, far as I tell, it, it is actually any video game. If you use it, any account that is registered as part of that system is flagged to not allow you to stream uh, live streams. I'm trying to see if there's a uh, confirmation of... I don't see how I... they could do that. I it's mean, they Nintendo can... Nintendo program. Okay. Well, that's the reason they can. Because when you register, your account is flagged in the YouTube system. You basically join their MCN in order to be a part of this program. So they mm. absolutely can ban you from doing basically anything and their statement says live streaming on youtube falls outside the scope of the creative program you cannot broadcast content on youtube live from the account you have registered nintendo creative program which indicates to me that you can't broadcast yeah, any gameplay content of content. any sort you know yeah absolutely I any sort why youtube wouldn't talk to them about this and say hey nintendo this is our platform and we want to be pushing people to YouTube gaming. We are encouraging our creators to live stream. Can't we find a compromise here that isn't so overreaching? Like it's, I mean, I'm sure that conversation happened. I oh, maybe it's currently what happening. Nintendo's reply was. Yeah. I mean, this right. is a, this is a, obviously a decision from Nintendo Japan. All of the stupid stuff is, yeah. which makes me that they probably implemented it without warning. And frankly, they can. Because, like I said, you agreed to Nintendo's terms and conditions when you signed up to that their MCN. So they can absolutely stop you from doing anything they like under their rule set. Uh, so, I mean, it's got to suck. But you're right, Nintendo, it is in YouTube's best interest to get Nintendo to back off here. 
They yeah, everybody, obviously... everybody in chat is like, YouTube doesn't care. They they want their they live should. streaming service to be used. They, they do can. fucking they care. It has they... nothing to do with us. It doesn't have anything to do with the creators. It has to do with them putting all of this time and effort into a live streaming platform that they're begging people to use. Yeah, And, and then... now Nintendo is saying, you can't use that. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you, you can totally do it on Twitch. There's nothing stopping you and there's nothing in that email that says you can't. So literally, what Nintendo is doing is forcing all of its actual partners to go and stream on Twitch. YouTube does not want that to happen. And YouTube really needs to start swinging and putting some pressure on these guys. I think YouTube is, as usual, gun-shy that if they push too hard, Nintendo will just p press the nuclear button and say, Nintendo games are no longer allowed on YouTube. Which... Right. You know, doesn't hurt as much as we would like to believe that that really hurts Nintendo. It's probably not going to make much of a difference. Like Nintendo has a brand mm. and a lot of very rabid fans, and then Nintendo Direct is a way of connecting directly with those people and cutting out every other middleman. They are maybe the company which is least dependent on third-party promotion and reviews and eyeballs in the games industry. Everybody else. They encourage streaming and they encourage YouTube videos as a result of realizing how important well, they are. It's an interesting idea that you bring up. I I agree that they don't necessarily reach out to creators to make content and to stream upcoming games, but they rely just as heavily on trailer distribution and their press conferences via Nintendo Direct to disseminate information out to their audience, just like any other platform holder or publisher does. True. And they, if you look at the audience difference between who's watching Nintendo Direct on YouTube and who's watching it on Twitch, I always feel like the YouTube audience it's more enthusiastic and is a bigger, like the numbers Possibly. are bigger there. And I don't know why it would even cross anybody's mind that YouTube and Nintendo would get to a place where Nintendo would just be like, we're done with YouTube forever. Um, mm. It just seems like it's such a head scratcher. You know, they do so, Nintendo does so much right. And then you hear about something like this and you're like, but, we're, but we've been having such a great year. <laughs> well, yeah. it's, it's fascinating talking with like people that work at Square and looking at the whole Atlas situation, right? Nintendo, not Nintendo, Japan in general, um, just from just from talking with people who are in that industry there, everything is about controlling the message. Yes. And live streaming is fucking terrifying for them because yes. there's no control there, right? Like Nintendo Direct is like a constructed thing. It's an edited thing. That yep. gets put out there. So even though we're seeing it live, like it is a constructed message. It's and that's what they're all about. Like it's very like, this is what we're showing you. Now that's all yeah. we're showing you. Now we're There's show a lot you of that. If they yeah. and, and you were talking about controlling the message, like we've seen this before. Years ago, the Shining Force 3 debacle, where I got two copyright strikes and about 17 other channels got shut down entirely, was entirely about controlling the message. What they wanted to do was literally push the trailer for their latest game higher, and they couldn't do it because our videos were ahead of them. So they literally struck every video that was ahead of them. So they, they d abused the DMCA system, including videos that had no footage in at all. So they literally had zero right to do it just to get their trailer higher up. Like, that's how much Japan wants to control the damn message. It's also, a big deal to them. Is this is this one of those... This definitely is one of those things where it's the Japanese part of the company and not yes. the American part of the company, right? Or the As far the, as we know, world. I mean... Yeah, you know, because it, we... 
I know Dukes and I, we've had conversations with Squeenix where they've been like, we look, we love you guys. That's not us. We're not doing it. It's yeah. It's yeah. another part of the company. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and so, they fight, they fight really hard. Like the American segments of each of these companies, they have like a good ear for what's going on and what people want. But like yeah. arguing with the Japanese branch is fucking the, so pointless. difficult. Yeah. The greatest example of this is for since it came out, Final Fantasy 13 3, the video I made, which is literally me just like destroying this game. Uh, <laughs> Squeenix has been, the company has been copyright claiming the video every time. And then I'll just contact someone and be like, why though? And then they'll, it'll get released. And then a few months will go by and then it'll get reclaimed. And, and yeah. that is something. It's, it's hopeless. Like, you can't get through to the Japanese devs on this. You can't. And people try. You know, the Sega situation was the same. Sega Europe, Sega NA, uh, apologetic about the whole situation. But they're like, we're not going to get Japan to apologize. That's never going to happen. Like, there's there's more chance of them, you know, doing anything, you know, any any impossible thing. They will not. They, they have what they think is the right thing to do, and they are very stubborn about it otherwise. There is also, as we're going to have to bring this up, the timing of this after the PewDiePie incident is way too coincidental not to have at least something to do with it. Nintendo is a family-friendly company. They have just given, given the biggest example that live streaming, it, let's say, what if PewDiePie was playing Mario Kart when he did that? That is something Nintendo would be furious about. It's, well, and sorry, I was going to say mean, just from just from working at Maker for so long, I know that MCNs, at least at this stage now, if if this Nintendo network is literally like an MCN, then is. they are they are liable for anything that their like partnered channels do. Yes, and they it's can't a... they can't police anything that's live. Yeah, right. there's a so, system, a yeah, two-tier I, I think system. That there is a direct connection there, for mm -hmm. sure. It's called their managed and affiliate partners. Managed partners uh, get away with a lot more. Like, uh, you know, a, a copyright strike wouldn't affect me because I'm a managed partner. There's a lot that the automated sweeps don't really affect me. Most managed partners get to dodge all that stuff because the MCN takes responsibility. So they would take the hit rather than me. So that, that the point of that was to have MCNs police their own partners, which is a good idea, frankly. It's basically like unions uh, reg and regulatory bodies, but it didn't really work out as well as people had hoped. And yeah, I would not be surprised in the slightest if Nintendo heard about that and were like, oh God, get me the fuck away from this live streaming thing. We don't want anything to do with that. You can make the argument as to whether or not that has anything to do with representing their product, but some of these companies do genuinely believe if their product is associated with something like that, even if they had nothing to do with it, it will affect them in some way. So they want to get the hell out of there as quickly as possible. Do we know how many people are in the Nintendo YouTube creators program? Like quite how many channels we're talking about? It's quite a few, I think. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to Google it and see office. if... Hold on. Uh, well, the guys in the well, I mean, those, those uh, some of your guys are in the different program, right? The higher tier, what program the doesn't take them? Right? One, yeah. Sure, yeah, there yeah. are two of but them. Literally, there are way too many in this office. There are just <laughs> like a lot of people here are down with Nintendo. So, yeah, no, I, mean, I think it's an interesting case study to see, like, you know, what were the reasons why? Like, try to like, if I'm like. A Nintendo executive, like thinking about my brand and how I protect my brand and how I also, you know, like have this creator community specifically designed to make content. 
about this brand. Like, why would I make the decision to cut a, a method of content creation off from people specifically approved to make content in our creator program? I'm like, I'm trying to figure out what it could possibly be. I mean, and like, it's an interesting idea that you bring up about, you know, the whole PewDiePie thing, but ultimately it comes down to like, you can't control what people are going to say on a live stream at every, and any given time, right? Like that would, that's not a problem that's specific to YouTube. Twitch has that problem as well. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it certainly does. Uh, But I think uh, Nintendo has far more influence on YouTube because of the creators program. Like they saw because of it, they have the ability to shut this down right now. So they did. Like if they tried to do that to Twitch, there'd be an uproar. Uh, It would be a, and I think they're aware of that. And frankly, Twitch, well, you know, may have a solid argument to go to court over that sort of thing. You know, that that might end up starting a huge fair use argument. We don't want that. So that's that's always been that weird thing that, you know, Nintendo obviously doesn't have much control over Twitch. And they haven't really so far shown any interest in having control over Twitch right now. Well, and, and again, it's not like, it's not YouTube versus Twitch here, right? It's like... Nintendo as an MCN who will take strikes every time one of their channels fucks up versus Twitch as a as a private platform being like mm-hmm. you know they did it on our platform but we're not we're not we're not in charge of them <laughs> you know like yeah maybe right. yeah and there's a possibility I w- I want to know like from you know I, I don't stream for profit. Like uh, our What's Good channel isn't affiliated or partnered yet. And um, my personal channel is pretty defunct. So I have no like horse in the race as far as like uh, not streaming, you know, making money for my Nintendo streams. But the idea that Nintendo saying as an alternative to streamers who do make money from their Nintendo content, hey, just start another channel. I mean, we all know that that's not nearly as easy as it sounds, but for people that have a really massive audience, you know, potentially it might be not so difficult, but I mean, I'm shaking my head even at myself saying that out loud. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's a lot of extra work. I mean, as, you know, professional streamers, how do you guys feel about that? It's interesting, you know, because the indication that they've given that says, you know, you can broadcast on another channel indicates, you know, part of their motivation, right? That they maybe are leaning more towards, we don't want this associated with us. Yeah. Like, we're, we're more concerned about that. Uh, but that's, again, it doesn't make any sense. Because, you know, if PewDiePie makes PewDiePie 2 and go and streams Nintendo games and, you know, does some stupid bullshit or whatever, is anyone going to really believe, well, that's got nothing to do with Nintendo any more than his primary channel? Were it part of that? I don't get that. That's a really weird, arbitrary distinction that doesn't make much sense to me. And as for the copyright strike thing, I don't think in Nintendo's network is ever getting shut down by YouTube. Like those, you know, they're too big to fail at this point. They just turn around and say, hey, YouTube, fix this. Get get rid of these strikes. And they would, mm-hmm. you know, because they're big, <clears throat> they're big enough entity to do that. I don't know. Viacom had a was a pretty big entity, and they didn't get along so well with YouTube when it came. They to did not. Yep, yeah, they decided to sue the hell out of them, which is why we have the current system <laughs> we do today with the DMCA implementation, right. the particular overzealous implementation of it. Yeah, strange, strange stuff. I'd, I'll say what I've said a thousand times before. I think if you sign that creator agreement, you're a schmuck. Like seriously, you're being exploited. Go work with literally any other company that won't do that to you. Because there's no other one that will. 
There are loads of great games out there. Why work for a company that clearly just wants to exploit you? It's silly. Hmm. Jazzy, you seem to be having a thought there. I, I, I can hear the no, clubs whirring. I'm with all of you in that wrapping my mind around this, it, it, it doesn't make sense. Not really. But the last part of what you said, I do understand why um, a lot of streamers and YouTubers and the like would sign things and want to be anywhere associated with uh, Nintendo because Nintendo, like to a lot of people, that is their, that is like their life. They live and breathe Nintendo. And to have yeah, Nintendo even approach that. them and be like, we would love to work with you. Even if they're getting screwed, it's like, I'm so happy like this. I've done it. I've the company that I love. This was me with Blizzard circa mm -hmm. five years ago yeah. until you realize Blizzard is like, you know, Blizzard. Uh, so companies, like, companies, <laughs> you're a tool you know, to them. Yeah, yeah. You know, Blizzard is, is one of those companies like, yeah, yeah, you can do this for free. And it's like, <laughs> Well, or he has like way below your normal rate or whatever. That's, you know, this why I say to people time and time again, you know, fandom is bad. You know, you, you get that far into fandom. It's, it's okay to like things, but don't let that fandom overtake your identity to the point where you can be exploited and taken advantage of. And I think that's the thing where like all these companies uh, rely heavily on you being a super fan, which is fine. And I, I, I'm still a super fan I don't of think it's fine. and Squeenix and all that shit. But like, when it comes to uh, promotion, they see that as like there's for everyone that's a me that sees like, oh, my God, you're paying me nothing for the amount of time that I'm putting into this. Mm -hmm. There are dozens, if not hundreds more who would step up and replace me, who would do it out of the passion and for like the exposure. And so as a major company, die they see that and they're like, well, we don't need a Cox. We can get like three other people to do just as much. And yeah. um and that's just sort of like the industry rent. It's it's always that like everyone just lowballing everyone else because they yeah. they're like I've been noticed. We can get away with and it. That's like life. And so I don't think this will ever. They can get away with this shit. I don't think stuff's gonna change just because they're gonna be like, well, now we have a new thing where you give us your money and shit like that. People will do it because they're just excited to be. I know. On recognized and loved by the company they love, and you know it kind of sucks, but I get it. I understand where they're coming from. Yeah, I yeah, do. I but when using the word, you know, exploited is, you know, such a maybe like too strong of a word because it's not like they're tricking people into this, right? Like it's, it's doing it out of love. Yeah, they're not tricking them. They're like, I understand you're screwing me, but I love you so much. I don't care because yeah. I'm going to get know that. access to things. I'm going to be a part of your world now. And you're going to invite me to events and you're going to like, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm with you 100%. It's, well, because there's there's people who pay membership fees to be parts of fan clubs to enjoy that fandom with other people, and that costs them money. So I think you know from Nintendo's perspective, they're like, hey, you could still make money doing this. You just can't make all of the money. We're gonna take part of that money since we significant are chunk. the owners of the of the property of the that you're using to make your money. You know, it's 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 definitely something that was very earth shattering when it first happened. And I've been in YouTube video making since like YouTube really started like 2007. And so like when it happened, I was, at, I was at first really angry, but then I was like, but actually like 
I get it. And it's, I'm glad that more companies aren't doing it, but I'm frankly surprised that no one else has been like, well, clearly Nintendo's doing it. Why don't we do it? Well, I'm glad they haven't, you know, and I think it's it's very good that other companies have realized that this content provides enough value to them alone without them also having to take 50 to 70% of the profits from it. Uh, the idea that a company would exploit the super fandom, these are people that are already vulnerable to this message. We see it. It's not just companies that do this. YouTubers do it. Streamers do it. You know, the worst of the worst. The guys that... Uh, T. Martin and Pro Syndicate that exploited their super fan kids lied to, straight to the faces of their fans to exploit them in an illegal gambling operation. It's the same sort of situation. These are people who have really vulnerable people that are being led down a path where they can be exploited by someone. It's called a parasocial relationship. It's by, you know, these, these other guys have way more power in the relationship than the other person. So that person is very vulnerable to that kind of thing. But, but and I, I think, think it's corporately uh, irresponsible. I think I, think I agree with, with Andrea on the fact that with those, the examples you just made, they were actively lying and fucking people sure. over. And this, yeah, Nintendo yeah. is not yeah. lying. I'll it, give you that. Yes. Yeah, and but, this is a little bit different, but I understand what you're saying, where it's like they're abusing a relationship. Yeah. But with that said, a, a lot of these people do not see it as that. They see it mm -hmm. as like, this is my way in, this is my access, this is how I get to be with the people that I that I truly love and respect. And so to them, it we might see it on a different level because we've been doing it so long and we understand. But to them, this is like a special thing, and I get it. I don't like it, but I get where they're coming from. And yeah, so I, I like, find it sad, very yeah. sad. You know, there's a reason why every panel I go on, it's like, how do you make it big on YouTube? You know, do you have any advice? You know, and I'll say you don't sign deals like this. You don't allow yourself. If someone, if something sounds too good to be true, probably is. Don't sign to something where you're going to be giving someone a bunch of money for supposed rewards. It's like how MCNs used to be back in the day. You know, Machena is a great all example. Been in that position. But yeah, we all We've have. All you know, been given super dodgy opportunities. Hashtag Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, oh, you know, yeah. back with Machinima <laughs> used to be 50-50, then they take all your premium ad revenue, all your non-US revenue, and then try and sell you, sign you to a perpetual illegal contract. You know, Never even back sign the, a thing that says in perpetuity. Well, I mean, Don't that's illegal. That's an invalid <laughs> contract. You know? so the biggest I, problem with is that, is that people, these kids just weren't reading the contracts. I mean, I when I was working at Machinima, working with directors, helping to create some of these content deals with these people that own their channels, it was always me being like, did you read everything? Read everything. Let's talk about each and every clause. If you have questions about anything, let me know. And it was always so shocking to me how they'd be like, oh, yeah, it's fine. I go, but did you read everything? Because right. yeah. Do you understand what you're actually agreeing to? That is to. the key. That's the perfect verbiage there, Andrea, which is these kids. The vast yeah, majority of who we're talking about are young people. And so they don't have the world experience. They don't know what to expect. Uh, Things like, hey, we're going to take most of your money, but you get access to a game is like, oh, shit, are you kidding me? I'm so excited. So, yeah, it's it's a different world because they are very young. A lot of the a lot of the people who are caught up in like the hype, especially Nintendo, are pretty young considering. So uh, yeah, I think that's something to consider as well. Yeah, I mean, I think in that case, it's even worse, because if you know, there's a bunch of easily overhyped, vulnerable kids that don't know you know they don't have lawyers they they don't know the reality of this business they don't know the amount of people that are out to get them out to screw them over and they don't know the value of what they're giving in return for what they're getting 
getting a game a couple of days early is really not that valuable because there's 100, 300, 500, 1,000 other people that are getting it at the same time. You're not going to gain much of an advantage that way. But in return, you're giving them 50 to 70% of your revenue, and you're also signing away rights like being able to live stream now. So I think like in that case, when you're targeting this at younger people, that's potentially even worse. It, this whole conversation sounds like every conversation I ever had with my parents where it's like, we've experienced shit, we know better than you. And I'm like, whatever, mom. And this is thinking back to 2010, Jesse, and the shit I was like, sure, okay, that sounds fine. Versus now, it's like, ah, I should have listened to people who knew better. But Mm -hmm. like, it's hard to talk to someone who is a Super Nintendo fan, for example, who is young, who wants this. Like, if this is what they want, then there's nothing that you or I or anyone can say. No, really. And it's not, so, you know, good luck. You're probably going to get an awesome lot of uh, video exclusives. I hope it does well for you. Yep. Hope your channel doesn't get super popular and end up handing over $10,000 a month to Nintendo because you're getting the raw end of the deal there. I'll tell you that for a fact. Not good, as those of us who were on 60-40 agreements with uh, the game station for years realized, like, oh, look at where all that money went. And now, like, You're we're assuming, on, like... though, that they're getting lots of views. These days, yeah. even a video with 100,000 views doesn't crack very much money, so... Uh, that is a fair point, yeah. I bet the vast majority of the channels don't even need to worry about the, like, $10 that Nintendo was taking as sure. their cut. In that case, that's, you know, that is true. But one has to wonder if you are that small that they're even sending you a game to begin with. They're probably not. I imagine you have to hit a threshold before they give you that access to that stuff, in which case you probably are making a decent amount of money. But I wouldn't know. I'm not sure how it works beyond that point. Don't know anyone's actually signed up with it. All right. Well, that's that. So... Other little bits of news going on at the moment. Uh, this actually did happen after the show. I think it was on Wednesday that they announced this, that uh, the launch of Fortnite Battle Royale, we discussed a little bit of it last week, yeah. uh, got uh, 1 million players right out of the gate, which cool. is a lot. You know, that's a, that's quite a lot of players. Uh, what's interesting is that I've been watching the graphs for PUBG over the last week. and PUBG? they Yes, PUBG. PUBG. And they haven't really gone down. Which indicates to me, my God, there is a huge market for this kind of game, you know, because it's not like PUBG, uh, Fortnite went and stole all the PUBG's players. There's still, you oh, know, the it's, PUBG players are still there. <laughs> yeah, it's just there's now even, you know, there's people who are playing this as well who either want a free version or, of course, want to play the console version. And development on Fortnite is going quickly. You know, they reacted to one of the earliest pieces of feedback, which is assault rifles suck and the spread's too much. So they patched that within like two days. And I got a chance to play it. I know, Jess, you played it for a sponsored deal. I tried it. I've been playing on and off throughout the week. And what I said, I think, applied quite nicely. I said I'd play a Battle Royale game if it was faster than PUBG. Because PUBG's got too much downtime for my taste. It is. It Fortnite is. is faster. Yep, it's quicker. And I love like the base game of Fortnite. I haven't gotten to play the Battle Royale mode specifically. And then they just announced they're doing another new mode. Oh, really? Uh, that's out uh, this week. Huh. Yeah, it's... um. It's like a horde party mode. Right. Yeah. Really quick. Mm. Interesting. And so it's another PvP style horde bash, is what it's called. And it's going to come out on October 5th in a new update. Oh, it's PvE. Okay. Um, but um, I, when they, when they that, announced this, I was one? super pumped because I've been looking for another way to play. And when I originally talked to the development team when I first saw this game at like a Judges Week, like in 2011? No, 2013? I don't remember. It was a long time it's ago. It's been in development uh, for a long time. 
Yeah, it's been a while. Um, they said at the time that PVP was part of the plan, but they didn't say specifically what it looked like. And so yeah. it was um, it was frustrating to me when this came out and there was that whole debacle with Blue Hole that it was like somebody would actually think that uh, Fortnite specifically made this mode to compete with PUBG when that's not how games work. You can't build a mode like that in two months. No. Um, <laughs> so Although I'm knowing Epic, maybe they can. I don't know. They're, they're very good with their engine. But I mean, we, we discussed this like a couple of weeks ago and we said, look, uh, Blue Hole gave them the absolute PR coup. And there's no way that this would have hit a million players on the first day if Blue Hole hadn't caused a huge scene over it. So Blue Hole are pretty damn stupid for doing that. Uh, but I mean, I played it. It's fine. It's a basic. I I prefer first person games than third person, and the gunplay could maybe use a little bit of work. But I think you've got Epic behind it, putting regular updates out at a rate that's far faster, and you also have a base game that runs better and doesn't have some of the ridiculous problems that PUBG has. Like sometimes doors don't open, you get stuck on a white picket fence that's one foot high. There's all sorts of bugs and weird shit going on. That does, you know, the frame rate is terrible, whereas Fortnite runs really well and it's quick and simple. And if they throw more in there, great. And I think like the later game base building stuff where things start to get closer together and then people start setting up bases, especially in squad mode to fight each other, is a really nice spin on the genre. Although fuck yeah. traps in particular in that game, by the way, like electric nope. traps and everything like that. God damn it. I ran, I just, I turned a corner, ran straight into like a static shock trap and die immediately. Like, yeah! <laughs> That's so what's was... great about it though. Yeah. No, it's not. You die and you lose everything. I had a purple shotgun and everything. I had a grenade launcher. I was super pissed. But with that said, it's also like, like you mentioned at the very beginning, very quick. So even if you mm. die, you're like, all right, I'm back in. Let's do this yes, shit again. Yeah, and yeah. it goes very, very quickly. So it lets you get creative in what you're doing because the games are so fast you can try insane try something different yeah that you wouldn't normally have tried because you want to like last longer uh, i like that about it because i've yeah. done some really weird shit in that game where i've tried to be like all right can i pull this off and sometimes you can and sometimes you instantly die and you're like oh, yeah there's okay. a lot less camping in it you know because <laughs> like hiding behind foliage and stuff is much more difficult in PUBG, you can easily just hide behind foliage in a bush for 30 minutes and in this, you can't really do that. It's third person. You know, the character models are very distinct from the terrain. Camouflage isn't really a thing. So it is more, it's more action oriented. And there aren't these giant phases of time where nothing's happening. But I also know, talking to some people, that they really like that fact about PUBG. That it is a bit slower paced with those occasional punctuations of high action moments. So I, know, I, I uh, respect that. Yeah, talking from talking to Crendor when he was here, he was like, the reason why we like it so much is because so little <laughs> this is crazy. It's because so, so little happens. You can <laughs> interact with the audience and make jokes and it becomes As more a like stream a podcast game. And a talk show. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, I can get that. I was playing um uh squads with Northern Lion, and that's exactly what we're doing. We're just shooting the shit, driving around a Jeep. We didn't encounter anyone for 20, 20 minutes, and then we got murdered. I was like, okay, it was a talk show. It was like us playing Terraria. We got nowhere. You know, it became a talk show. Uh, but it'll be interesting. You know, there's obviously a lot more of the games that are going to be working on Battle Royale modes. It's clearly en vogue right now. Good. If Fortnite's development continues to keep pace and motivates PUBG to develop faster and make their game better and maybe come up with some other modes, great. I'm happy with that. It's good for the consumer, frankly. Mm. We like the choice. 
But yeah, I like I like it. I, I drop in for a couple of rounds every night. You know, it takes 10, 20 minutes. Feels good. Cool. I think that's probably about it on the news. Uh, Andrea, is there anything you happen to have that's lying around? Uh, I think it's been a bit of a quiet week, really. Um, it has been. I just saw a headline that says that there's a free PS4 demo of Gran Turismo Sport coming, but only for a limited okay. time. That's no. weird. I don't know why you'd make a demo limited if you made. Yeah, that is weird. Uh, you went through strange. the work of making the demo. Maybe just leave the demo up. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that that sounds yeah, far too sensible. Available, for my apparently liking. October 9th through the twelfth. Huh. And well, PS Plus go. members will see. Oh, PS Plus members will receive some additional time with it. Yep. Since they can preload it and begin playing sooner than non-plus members, Indeed. which I mean that makes sense. Uh, the but BlizzCon yeah. schedule literally came out ten minutes ago, so we oh, have some okay. knowledge. Yeah, uh, breaking news. Yeah, there's some uh, there's some interesting stuff in there that's going to probably piss a few people off. Actually, uh, the arena is now Overwatch and not StarCraft for the first time in a good few years. I'm a bit pissed about that. Because uh, oh, obviously I'm bigger than StarCraft. For that. It, is it is not. We filled that arena every year and it was epic. And we had an incredible stage. I, I've i said it time and again, I don't think Overwatch is good for spectating. It's messy. It's too colorful. There's too many ultimates going there on. Is, there is a lot of community stuff this year. A lot. I'm, That's getting, good. I'm getting the vibe that we're going to get like two announcements and then it's going to be like, let's celebrate you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Because they don't have enough in the pipeline. Maybe uh, it, it, the schedule reminds me of the 2011, whatever the year was when he was like, "Geek is," and I was like, "This is oh, a non thing." No, <laughs> no. <laughs> please, please don't remind I, me of Geek is. Oh, I Jesus. always worry about that because BlizzCon's awesome, but only when they have stuff to show. And when they did it every other year, I was like, "Cool." Uh, now that they do it every year, I feel like it's always a stretch to get cool stuff out, especially since Overwatch's release. There hasn't been anything, like, huge. And so yeah, I, it feels like year on year off with BlizzCon. I yeah, don't... I, what, I think so, too. What happened last year? Um, oh, God. Uh, what, what announcements were there? I mean, they announced Sombra for Overwatch. Yeah, they, they had announced Sombra video nothing for, for StarCraft. They had the new uh, Warcraft expansion, which they're always going to have, and... Um, it wasn't Legion's announcement, though, was it? Legion had already been announced. Yeah, it? no, no. They, they keep releasing, like, the trailer stuff. Right, and yeah. So it wasn't a big announcement. They have a though. Warcraft expansion, but there's no Cost Diablo stuff. Diablo is, like, an hour total of content the entire time. Oh, Jesus. Um, yeah, you can tell that's getting abandoned. Oh, yeah. Last, last year, they announced the Necromancer for Diablo. Yeah. yeah. Heroes is stuff that already, like, there's nothing really they're going to be able to announce with that that's going to, like, blow people away. Overwatch, yeah. maybe another character, maybe the the queen Probably. of Junker Town, who knows? Um, and then like oh, the, the only the Overwatch few... League, did you say that? Oh yeah, they'll definitely say something about the Overwatch League. They'll do something then... yeah. about the Overwatch League. For yeah, sure, but yeah. it's not. They're not starting it here. That's the Overwatch World Cup that's getting the arena. Right. I'm going to be very interested to see if they can fill that arena because they did it for StarCraft a lot. StarCraft has a huge fan base that comes to BlizzCon to watch esports, like because it's the biggest. It's, you know, it's the top tier StarCraft event of the year. The only mm. other one that's even remotely comparable is Katowice in Poland with the big arena. Um, we get Hall A, which is still a big hall, but I, I'm i going to be intrigued. I'm going to pop into that Overwatch arena and see how many people, because it's a big test, how many people want to watch Overwatch. Because if the well, Twitch numbers are anything to go by, not enough. 
but last year at the con, the Overwatch area was crazy. So true, but wasn't that its that absolute true. first LAN tournament that had ever happened? If I recall correctly? Like no. it was the new hotness back then, right? The, the reason why Overwatch is probably going to be more popular than StarCraft is because it's Overwatch is more approachable as a game than sure. StarCraft is, and it's easier to watch for people who aren't uh, super proficient at it. Like you can you could with a very light understanding of how the mechanics work you can follow an overwatch stream as you know starcraft is like wizardry it's like magic. i know it's I know. like that's the most watch, that's the wonderful thing about you watch it, it that's and what... you're like what is happening how are these yeah, it's people know what's going on everywhere at the same oh, time oh everything's exploding yeah, <laughs> that's great. Exactly. yeah. I mean, that is to what's be... awesome about it but for people who are maybe casual gamers or who you know are recent converts into you know fps then it's something like that is not necessarily going to maybe stoke that excitement as much as a game like overwatch could and the way that i've seen the community around overwatch really kind of band together because of how inclusive that community feels is really exciting and it's it's a really like hats off to blizzard for making such a diverse cast of characters that so many different types of gamers can relate to and unfortunately starcraft just doesn't have that same kind of reach as far as when we, when we look at you know the narrative around starcraft and why people like that game and right. i mean not to say I, I, never I agree. Had that, but if you look at today in gaming i think that it's obvious that Overwatch has a much longer life ahead of it. Uh, I don't know about that, especially not on the esports side of things. You know, we're still playing Brood War after 20 years uh, on Korea, in Korea in particular. I mean, we just had Remastered back, of course, which has been a big success in Korea. The thing about it is it's less about how many people are playing StarCraft, more about people who are watching it. Overwatch is very approachable to play. I disagree that Overwatch esports is easy to watch. I think watching a stream from one perspective only, that's... Fairly easy. I was easy. about to the ask, problem do they have is, a good observation mode for uh, what, Overwatch We're going to find out. Because I, I was down in, um, I went to watch the Overwatch um, E-League finals down in the Atlanta television studio, TBS. And I had played a good couple of hundred hours of Overwatch and, you know, I was pretty familiar with it. I found it difficult to follow. And it seemed like they didn't really know what they were doing with the cameras. Now, hopefully they've got better since then. But, you know, the thing about watching StarCraft is it's all from a top-down perspective. You can clearly see what's going on at any given time. With Overwatch, it's this big six versus six clusterfuck of color and all of the fights, especially in the big uh, push mode, all happen in the same place. So it ends up being a giant mosh pit. It was kind of the problem I used to have with League of Legends, but LOL cleaned up their color palette quite a lot when they realized the esports team was getting big. But initially, watching LOL competitive was awful because the uh, particle effects were all over the place. It was blinding. I think Overwatch has a similar problem. And you compare it to CSGO, which has a very clean look and it's very easy to watch. I don't agree that Overwatch is as approachable from a competitive level. From a player level, yes, totally. But from a competitive, no, I don't think so. Can I devil's advocate on this? Uh, you uh, absolutely can. I mean, it's not even much of a devil's advocate. You know, you already have one person legitimately disagreeing with me. So go for it. Let's hear it. <laughs> Well, I, like I just debate. feel like I yeah, when feel like done, I do have a clarifying point, but Jesse, absolutely. Please. So I have been to and seen a bunch of Overwatch tournaments, and I vividly remember a conversation I had with there was like eight of us all together watching uh, uh, one of the matches, and I remember looking at everyone and being like, 
I can't tell who the fuck is who right now. Like, can't they change the colors up a little bit? And everyone looked at me like I was the old man in the room. <laughs> I realized, like, maybe I'm just getting too old to, like, follow what the kids are doing on the screen. And everyone else is fine. Everyone else is like, we know exactly what the hell just happened. And I was like, oh, okay. So I feel like maybe it goes back to the conversation where you're like, I'm just, I love XCOM and this and that. Like, maybe it's not, maybe it's just not our jam, right? Like, I don't know. Maybe, I played a ton of Overwatch. I, I like know, playing I don't it. No, because I, I because everyone there was like, no, we we totally get what's happening. Like this is easy to follow. And I was like, I don't think it's easy. Okay. To and I just <laughs> put the hoodie on. And was like, uh, I'll and be even if it is in the corner, it can well, be quite. Yeah, no, my it. point specifically wasn't in regards to it being a better esport than StarCraft. I think StarCraft is has made its mark in a very impressive way in the esports community over many, many years. Um, I'm talking specifically about it being on stage at BlizzCon and how BlizzCon is not full of esports fans. It's full of community members that love Blizzard. And every time I've gone to BlizzCon, the vast majority of people that I see are not there to cheer on a player or a team or watch the tournaments. They're there to dress up in cosplay, to go to the costume contest, to potentially meet, you know, some of the devs. And then most importantly, to talk to like their guild members and to talk to all the people that they yeah, play yeah, with online. Me. And so I feel like this one is such a, such a community driven event that that's why Blizzard's making this choice. True. I but the question that's, that's... is, well, Will those people then show up in the arena and fill it up? Because that's a big arena. I I, I would say the proof yes. of the pudding is going to be in the eating. I'll see. You know, if that's the case, so be it. Like what Andrew was saying, I that is. I'm sorry, I did you just say Andrew? <laughs> Andrea. Andrew was saying uh, <laughs> that I uh, I am living proof of that. That I don't watch StarCraft like on any sort of level, but. Every time, if I'm just looking for something to do at BlizzCon, I will go sit down and watch those guys and be like, what the fuck? It's amazing. They're like, a lot of it's about soaking in the atmosphere because that arena is always so loud and people are so hyped that you can't help but be excited by it. It's a big part of it. But I'm saying, I think that can they replicate that for Overwatch? Blizzard fans like Blizzard. Blizzard games. No matter what they have, they'll go watch it because they're excited to be caught up in that hype and the experience. And I feel like no matter what at BlizzCon, they'll fill a room no matter what the room is and it will look amazing and be packed and that won't be an issue at all. Um, This might translate to online, but at BlizzCon, Andrea's right. Yeah, I think because I saw it when uh, last year we went to watch some of the uh, Summer Heroes of the Storm and I'm not big into Heroes of the Storm, but it was still exciting to be in that room because everyone was hyped for it. And yeah, a lot of people will just go and then they'll casually watch it. There's the guys who are going there just to watch the big tournament. And then there's the guys who will mosey in every once in a while. You you always see it. Like whenever a match ends, like half the arena like empties because they, they came because something was happening and then they went to go and see something else. And then the guys who stayed are there who are here for everything, you know, who are committed I will see. I will be interested. I do not think, and I'll, I'll put some money down on this. I'm going to throw uh, throw some money out. Let's have a little bet. Let's have a little bet, shall we? I will throw down $500 to Charity Water that says specifically that StarCraft beats Overwatch in the stream viewership. Who's going to take me on that? That's because uh, StarCraft for nerds, and nerds like streams. <laughs> does, I, does that mean you're going to take me on that, Jesse, or not? No, I'm not doing that. No? Fuck that. Coward. Andrea, you gonna take that on me? I don't even 
care God about damn it. Them. I don't even drink it. Ah. Wait, what's the bet? What's the bet? The bet is that StarCraft beats Overwatch in stream numbers at BlizzCon. $500 charity. I don't... Sure, just for fun. I'll take that. Right. Why not? Okay, take the bet. Right. There <laughs> okay, we go. Great. Cool. Yep. Either That's way, Charity Water is getting 500 bucks from one yes, of us. Exactly. So there I figure, you go. why not? <laughs> yeah. One of us is giving $500 Charity Water. So there you go. That, that works out. You know, I, I'm very biased when it comes to StarCraft. I've been casting it for eight years. I run my own tournaments and I've got things in the works that are coming out very soon that will hopefully solve a lot of uh, some of these things that you've been talking about. I don't want to go in any further on that, but it's going to be very exciting. Regardless... It will. I'm sorry. I'm being very How did vague. You trick Dodger into just giving five hundred dollars to Charity Water. You should because do this I, don't mind. I accomplished. I accomplished my goal. So Charity Water is getting five hundred dollars, regardless of what yeah. happens. Uh, it's like, why not? Fuck I it. think uh, oh, Starcraft. You know, I think I'm gonna lose. <laughs> Starcraft Two <laughs> is. Positive, I'm gonna lose, it's the old. You know, it's the old guard. It is the old guard. There are other esports games that have surpassed it in terms of numbers, but when it comes to BlizzCon, the people fucking show up. Last year's BlizzCon mm -hmm. finals on the English stream alone had 120,000 concurrent viewers. That's just concurrent. We're not talking about uniques and across across 16 other language streams. When it comes to the BlizzCon finals, people, they care. Even like the guys who haven't played in five years come out of the woodwork. I, you know, I'm convinced more people watch StarCraft than play it. At least like play competitive. I don't play competitive StarCraft anymore. It's really hard. Ever, I'm old and slow. It. I can't play it, but I watch the shit out of it because these kids in Korea can play it and it's beautiful to watch. We'll see how it goes. Marcos makes a good point. How much is the Overwatch pool? Because he says the StarCraft pool seven hundred thousand dollars sure i mean but, I, but do you think the overwatch pool is only like fifty thousand then you've definitely stacked the cards against dodger here well <laughs> uh, in my experience people don't tune in due to the size of the prize pool or do they tune in due to the uh, preeminence of the event the rate you know even if it was five bucks or five hundred thousand bucks it's the blizzcon grand finals it's the culmination mm. of a year of tournaments and circuits that have led up to this and this is the overwatch world cup which is right. until the Overwatch League comes out, the premier, the top tier Overwatch event. So I don't think I don't think the prize pool makes much of a difference. I mean, I've looked at the numbers. I doubled my prize pool on my tournament. It didn't change the viewership. Uh, people don't really care, but it's cool don't to be able to give back to those players. It matters a little bit. I, d otherwise, I don't know how much it does. People wouldn't make a big deal about this, like maybe. You know, like but do they? Ma I think they make a big deal of it because of how prominent the tournament is, not because of the amount of money. You know. It's I I don't it's hard. I'd have to look at like the uh, the numbers for the international because that keeps going up every year money wise. But I don't think it's gone up viewership over the last few years. Like so, I don't know if there's any direct correlation. Be interesting mm. to do a study on that actually to see if there was any correlation. It's intriguing. Mm. Cool. Huh. Well, we managed to make news out of nothing there. So well done to everybody. We managed to make a hey. three to six on just <laughs> a BlizzCon it. schedule and Nintendo being dickheads. So well done there. Some good <laughs> stuff. All right. Well, uh, shall we move on to releases then? That sounds like mm. a good idea. Uh, last couple of hours, we've been picking through to find some interesting stuff, and that is exactly what we have hopefully done for you. There's a lot of uh, garbage in here. <laughs> oh, there always is every week. Yeah. You know that. You know that. Uh, first bug release, Forza Motorsport 7. That was mm. on the way. Andrea, I believe you played that. Yeah, so I haven't played um, a whole bunch of it, but um, Microsoft sent me a code for the game, and I also uh, went to the Xbox One X preview event that they had here in San Francisco, and 
I am not a simulation racing fan. I'm more of an arcade mm-hmm. racing person. Um, but I always want to give these games a try because I always think it's impressive how they iterate on these games year after year. And Turn 10 has really done a fantastic job with making this approachable for people like me who are like, hey, I like getting in the car. I like racing games. Yeah. But the simulation part of, of of these racing games is just too much for me to manage because I like to crash into things and make yeah, mistakes totally. and have it be fun. Slide around and, a corner, yeah. Yeah, and that's really like not the purpose of a simulation racer, but they've really made it approachable for people like me so that I can turn a bunch of assistive things on in the menu. And obviously, you know, if you want to have that true racing experience, you could turn all of the assists off and, and feel the car for the way that they've designed it to be, you know, a simulation. Um, but man, it is so, so pretty. Mm. Even just on a regular, um, Xbox one or an Xbox one S the graphics are, are just beautiful. And um, the build that I got to play at the preview event was on an Xbox One X. And it just is like, it blew me away, like how gorgeous this game is um, with the weather and the rain and how you can really feel it. There was a moment when I was driving on a track and it had been raining the, during the race. And then as, a, as I was coming along like the last half of the final lap, the clouds like parted at sunset. You know that, God, that's that cool. moment when it's been overcast and it's everything's still wet and then the sun like peeked through and it mm. was like almost orgasmic looking. It was- <laughs> saw the face <laughs> of God right there. Just ridiculous. Super cool. Um, and so if you really love high-end graphics and you have any interest in cars whatsoever, I would say, don't skip at least trying the demo. I mean, it's it, they did a job, uh, a really nice job with this game. Yeah, I might download it on PC, just play 4K60 and see what it looks like, because that sounds really good. Although, I'll be disappointed if they don't bring out a Hot Wheels expansion for this one, because the last one, that was great. Love that to death. Forza Horizon 3. <laughs> Absolutely. Super cool. Very much a fan of that. Something else I'm a fan of. Finally, for Switch, Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time. Maybe, like, the literally the most appropriate Switch game that could possibly exist. Like, a mm. two-player co-op game that is ideal for giving one Joy-Con to one person, one Joy-Con to another. It's great yeah. to see that. That game deserves a lot more attention. It is one of the coolest co-op experiences you will ever get to play. So if you have a Switch, please try this out. Trust me, it's really, really fun. I had a lot of fun with that. Uh, you did as well. Uh, Dodger Frog Call correctly played. It was stripping. Yeah, yeah good. that game was super, super good. fun. Yeah. Um, another game that's coming out that looks super cute and way up my alley is Reverie. Okay. Reverie. Yeah. There we go. It looks like it's a like a puzzle platformer, maybe. Yes. Um, oh, it does look super cute. It's that's cute, adorable. right? It's got a little red scarf. And maybe a little is. sad. There's a, a scene where it looks like it's the fucking end of the world. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it looks a it little like dark, doesn't it? Yeah. I wonder mm. what's going on there. What is it with all these cutesy protagonist and then suddenly he's like the world is dead oh, god please no it's terrible because it's supposed to make yeah. you feel more sorry for them um was... also the the battle chasers game that we yeah. talked about earlier yep yeah. that is out that ju- that right after we finish up yeah wow. just came out a couple of hours ago i'll be giving this a chance i have i have no idea what battle chasers is i didn't follow the comics or anything uh, like that battle chasers is a late 90s comic yeah, uh, it is phenomenal. It is based off of Japanese mm-hmm. RPGs, but in comic book form. And now they've created a real JRPG based off of the comic book. It's crazy and cyclical, and I love it. Wow. And it was my jam when I was a kid. Now I'm back, baby. Yep, 
The art style looks great, and that enthusiasm is infectious. So I will give it a try on the basis of that. PS4 and also PC availability for that. Da -da 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 -da. What else we got? Ah, yes, of course. Uh, you know, the little foil cards I've got here is for Concept Revolt, which is available on 3DS. Like I said, mixture of Monopoly and Magic the Gathering. Really fun game if you're looking for some deck building and some board game tabletop style stuff. Really cool art style. Pretty sure one of the cards is a potato soldier. Just a... Perfect. Giant animated potato. Uh, what else could you possibly ask for in that? Uh, outside of that, um, Jidge is out today, I think, on PS4 and... That's a stupid name, isn't it? Jidge. It's supposed to be Judge, but with a Y in it. I suppose Jige. I don't know. Uh, it seems, Sounds I don't even know. Worse. Yeah, it does. It, it seems like it's kind of a Judge Dredd-style uh, top-down twin stick. They describe it, instead of as a rogue-like, as a rogue-hate. <laughs> which I hope I never hear that word again, but that's a thing. That looks okay. Interested in that. It's a little co-op game called No... Uh, it's competitive. I think it's a party game. No Heroes Here. It is a yeah, frantic, cool. frantic co-op game for one to four players available with online, yes. Craft and use several items effectively while coordinating a ragtag band of non-heroes to defend castles and survive. It's a pretty cool 2D game. That looks fun. Pretty cool. Anyone else got anything on October the 3rd they were interested in? No, not really. Yep, I think that's about it. Um, but on the 4th, uh, Tarim looks kind of cool as a person who likes little dungeon crawler games. Tarim. Yeah, T-A-R-I-M. Yes. Okay. Uh, their video is broken on that. Looks sort of like a roguelike key kind of thing. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, there was... Interesting one. I'm not can't quite sure how you play this, but it's called Domino Dungeon, a physics-based puzzle game where you place and topple domino pieces to collect gems and treasure in a dungeon. So it's literally like creating one of those big domino stacks, uh, like a domino track, and having them all fall down to then collect everything and open the treasure chest. That was kind of a neat idea to mix the dominoes in there. It's almost like a bit of a 3D Angry Birds to some extent with dominoes. So mm. I thought it was kind of neat. There's uh, one called Empire Lord of the Seagates, which is out on that day. Uh, this is set in New York in 1911. Uh, it's flooded, apparently. And I think you're sort of playing kind of mobster thing, like a, a mob of some sort. Um, not quite sure what the game is about. It looks good, though. A neo-Victorian steampunky setting, apparently. It's a tactics-based combat game with bartering and archetypes and leveling and professions and weapons. And yeah, basically, it's a kind of an XCOM-like tactics shooter by the looks of it. This looks like it might be quite interesting. Uh, it seems like it'd be up my alley. And we got anything else on October the 4th that looked like it might be cool? Mm -mm. Nope. All right, let's move on to October the 5th. What we got? Uh, Barrage Musical. It's apparently a rhythm bullet hell game. <laughs> Oh, like a God. music rhythm bullet hell. And I'm that like, sounds horrific. what the fuck is that like? Um, so, well, there's anime that. bullshit in it. It sounds like this is an arcade port because I'm looking at it's very for four by three. Mm. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Screw everything about this thing. No, I'm not touching that. <laughs> it also doesn't have English language support. So you'd have to be fairly hardcore, I think, to try that one out. Pro Gamer Manager 2. Is oh, coming no, out. not again. Didn't you play the last one? 
I played Pro Game Manager 1, and there's videos still this day of me rage quitting in the Dodgers office. So it's terrible, um, right? At least the first I can't one wait was. to see what the second one's like. I will have to play it. Well, I, I think I hopefully they the made world. it better. Huh. Yeah, I'll <laughs> leave that one to you. Stardew Valley, of course, coming out to the Switch. Yeah, so I kind of missed this um, in its previous release. Uh, I know it was super popular and a lot of people really loved it. And I think that the, the fact that I could take it on the go and it's going to be portable is going to give me more time to um, dig into it because I do spend a lot of time on airplanes and that's why mm -hmm. I really love my Switch. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm really pumped for this release. Yeah, I think a lot of people are quite excited about having this portable there. It's not the only really good indie game, though. Uh, we're also getting Axiom Verge and Volgar the Viking on Switch, mm -hmm. which are both two very good, if difficult, games. And, of course, A Hat in Time. It's PC, PS4, and Xbox One on October the 5th. Finally, this game is coming out after a long development cycle. Yeah, there's another game called A New World Kingdoms. That okay. looks kind of interesting. It's like a hex-based board, but it's calling itself a strategic 4X okay. game. Yep, um, that's my kind I of I just thing. really like the way that it looks. It looks very clean. Yeah, yeah, it does. Ha, huh, yeah, it reminds me a bit of Endless Legend, which is definitely not a bad thing to remind me of because that had a great art style. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll probably check that out. That's my kind of thing. Anything else on October the 5th that people found that looked interesting? Nope, no. we're good? Okay. October 6th, Jesse. Man, um, it, it, for some reason it says Hat and Time on here as well. Yeah, I don't know I don't why it's know. there. I, yeah. yeah, I can't, like, I, uh, Oxenfree's on here. I can yes. recommend that if for Switch. Although I just saw a thing tweeted today that said it was out already. Really? So, May have come out early. I don't know, but uh, if you haven't played Oxenfree, that game is my jam. Uh, I love that thing to death. So you should definitely check that out if you have a Switch. Um, Not checking out that Shark Simulator that we see I right here. I haven't even looked at it. Do I have to go? I don't no. want to see it. No, it's a, it's, a, it's a dumb game. Like, it's it's trying to be Goat Simulator uh, and failing by the looks of it miserably. So you might not want to go anywhere near that. Oh, it's a shark, but he's goofy. <laughs> Sharks are not goofy. Take them seriously. <laughs> Terrifying. Depths right now. Why does nobody listen to me? You're the um, boy who cried shark. Godless killing machines. There's an RTS where you play different strains of mushrooms. Oh, Mushroom Wars. Uh, yeah, I played the <laughs> first one of this. It's uh, it's kind of like Galcon, so it's that node-based mobile RTS. It was quite good oh, okay. for what it was. Like, if you want to play an RTS like that, then you could definitely do a lot worse than this. Mm. Uh, if it's anything like the first one, it looks like they've uh, upped the fidelity on it, put a lot more stuff in it. So this might, I assume this is coming out on mobile as well. So it might be an iOS probably uh, pickup, I think. Outside of that, that was probably about all I saw on the 6th that looked particularly interesting. There's a few on the um, 7th that looked all right. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I'll probably wind up playing Room 42 as well. What's that? It's, it looks like an RPG maker game, but it's one of those, like, you're locked in a room with five people you've never met. Oh, okay. Can't, like, I think it's going to wind up being kind of psychological and weird, but right. maybe not. Yeah, that's your kind of thing. Uh, there's a couple of things on October the 7th that, were, that looked kind of interesting. Uh, Flashpoint Fire Rescue. You play as a squad of firefighters, like a firefighter tactics game where you're trying to put out the fires and rescue people. This looks potentially good. 
I like the idea of instead of you know shooting things like playing the rescuer. I think that's a it's got a kind of cutesy art style to it. So I was digging that. And then there's one called Blade Net. This sounded really intriguing. Um, it's a it's a multiplayer game of hide and seek. So it reminds me a bit of Assassin's Creed's multiplayer, where you're given a target and the, chi- uh, the target probably doesn't know that you're stalking them, and you have to assassinate collect assassinate them, collect their data, and escape. Uh, but someone is like tracking you and you can pull out your phone to find out where people are but i assume if you do that you're probably going to reveal yourself to people so that's uh interesting possibly i really enjoyed the assassin's creed multiplayer modes i thought they were really unique and interesting it's kind of a shame that they don't do them anymore this also feels kind of like that mode that was in watchdogs yes it does yeah yeah so i kind of dig this i think uh if this is well developed uh, i'll actually play it because i did enjoy those modes previous Watch Dogs was fun in the way it did it as well. Um, there's a game called Beyond Eden. And at first okay. I was like, oh, the art is really nice. Um, and then reading it and looking at more of the thumbnails, it's a game where you play a gay Victorian man and you're trying to destroy your family while also boning all the dudes. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. I mean, that <laughs> does sound somewhat up your alley, I have to admit. Apparently has 15 to 25 hours of gameplay. I'm not convinced that a virtual novel has that much. I would be intrigued to see how they pulled that off. (laughs) Okay, good. You report back to me next week on that one. I'm sure. (laughs) Oh, God. All right. Uh, There's nothing out on October the 8th, according to our list. October 9th, anything on there that looks all right? Everything looks like crap, far as I can tell, on that day. Yeah. Nothing really much. October 10th. Is that next? Yeah, that's that's next Tuesday. Yeah, so we won't talk about that one. But that's that's the big release week with uh, Shadow of War and stuff like that. Far as I know, from what I can tell anyway, that's really about it. Uh, usually chat yells at us if we miss something. So right. I'm trying to see if they have done something no they don't seem to have mentioned it so i think we actually probably nailed most of what we should have there and trust me it's quite tricky these days with 200 goddamn games coming out every week but i think we handled mm-hmm. that fairly well space explorers nice that's, that's crap yeah everything looks good yeah so big releases this week forza and of course battle chasers concept if you have a 3ds and of course if you're a switch owner well you have a cornucopia of very awesome looking indie games to try out so you should probably do that if you haven't played any of those be a good format for it oh i think that brings us to the end of the show doesn't it yes it does awesome thank you very much for watching the cooperative podcast ladies and gentlemen but before we go we'd love to tell you what we've got coming up in the pipeline for you jesse you seem very excited to tell us something not excited i just do you see this yahoo news Oh, oh my God. the yeah, three billion accounts it. were hacked. Yeah, that's probably three terrible. Billion accounts, every single Yahoo In account. Twenty thirteen, and they just didn't tell anybody. Wow. Twenty thirteen. Uh, that's insane. <laughs> right. What? Good. Yeah, I am very glad. I don't think I have a single piece of up-to-date information in my Yahoo account because I haven't used it in a decade. But holy fuck, that's crazy. Fantasy football, that's it. <laughs> oh, man. I hope you don't have any identifying information from that, because apparently they stole it all years ago. I mean, I guess that would explain some of the hacks we might have been getting lately, but I'm going to go on there and change. Well, it's too late to change it now. It happened four fucking years ago. It's fucking crazy. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Yahoo, you suck. You 
That's a case for a very large lawsuit, I think. Incredible. Right after we're done with Xperia, who tried to hide news behind the Las Vegas shooting, which makes them even scummier than we initially thought. Whenever we think they found the bottom, they just keep digging. Mm. God damn it. What a bunch of bastards. Well, what's coming on the channel this week, Jesse? You've got Battle Chasers coming, right? Yo, Battle Chasers. I'm so excited. It's going to be going great. Uh, more Cuphead, uh, more nonsense. So, uh, yeah, immediately after we're done here, I'm going to... Start playing some BC. Yeah, I might give it a try as well, actually. Sounds like a good thing to try today. Awesome. Andrea, thank you very much for taking so much time, knowing how busy you are for coming on the show today. The uh, what's, what's your current tagline? The busiest lady in gaming, I think some people have tried to apply to. Yeah, that's, that uh, that's my co-host, Greg Miller. <laughs> uh, yeah, there you go. What do you got coming up this week? Where can we find well you? We have some, I, so we have some exciting stuff coming for me personally. I'm flying to New York tomorrow because on Saturday, October 7th, I am hosting the Nintendo world championships, 2017. Ah. Hell yeah. Yeah. I'm super pumped. So I know we were talking about Nintendo fandom earlier and this is like my <laughs> total like fangirl moment where I'm going to be like, Oh my gosh, it's like I'm living inside the whiz. <laughs> So I'm I'm super excited. Um, I'm going to be hosting with um, Jordan Kent, who is their lead caster. And then they have some specialty casters coming in who are all surprise guests. So I'm super excited to find out about. There's a lot of stuff that I don't even know. Please There's tell me Terry Crews is showing up to cast. I, I need more Terry Crews casting in my life. <laughs> I, I, that would be amazing but um, I would love to yeah that. i don't i don't know the full list yet it's because they keep a lot of stuff under wraps so i'll be there over new york comic-con so that's at uh, 2 p.m pacific 5 p.m eastern time is when the championship kicks off so please tune into that at what's good games podcast um we have a new episode going up this friday that we recorded last week but it includes a deep dive into our assassin's creed origins hands-on that we had recently that embargo is up tomorrow but our show won't go up until Friday. So if you guys haven't checked out What's Good Games, it's available on all podcast services. You can find a list in our RSS feed on whatsgoodgames.com slash podcast. And then um, I will be back next week at Kind of Funny Games Daily. And we air Monday through Friday at 12 p.m. Pacific time at twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames. Or you can check it out the archives on their YouTube channel. So Awesome. That is a lot of stuff, frankly. Yeah. Thank you very and much I have for somehow more finding. Stuff coming up later. <laughs> I don't know how you found three and a half hours for us, but we appreciate that nonetheless. Thank you. You're welcome no, back anytime. You can somehow fit it in. I haven't gotten to see you I guys think so. in forever, and we've never gotten to do a show together. So thank you so much for having me on. It's been uh, our absolute pleasure. Thank great. you very much. Dodge What you got coming yeah. up? What's going on? Um, on Thursday, Jesse and I are continuing with the letter on stream. So. That'll be super fun. Um, very, very soon, we're going to be officially launching the coffee company. So if you guys aren't aware, we, uh, well, I've started a coffee line. It's called Dodger Coffee Co. And you can find it at dodgercoffeeco.com. Um, really, really excited. We're really proud of it. Everything's coming together super well. So the launch is going to be awesome. We're going to start uh, shipping and fulfilling right away. So, uh, yeah, that's been occupying a lot of my time, but yeah, uh, I stream a lot. I'm going to be hopefully beating Cuphead in the next couple of days as well. I don't believe that for a second. 
dude, I've, I've gotten to the final stage of the devil. I know, like, I know what I need to do. I just got to like zone the fuck in. <laughs> so it's, it's going to be like a sans fight again, isn't it? It's going to be six hours of this. <laughs> no, this doesn't even touch sans. This isn't even remotely close. Oh man. Um, yeah, but, uh, come hang out sometime. That's all. Cool. Ah, there'll be stuff coming up on the channel this week, no doubt, and live streams and all that sort of thing. Uh, looking at, oh God, probably quite a lot of things. Uh, Hob, certainly, Battle Chasers will definitely be on the agenda. I may finally get to the stage where I've played enough of Total War Warhammer 2 to actually put out the video on it. I don't know how many hours you should put into a game like that before you put out a video, because currently I'm on like 40, and I feel like I'm still missing a bunch of stuff, so... We're still going to be digging into that one. And you may find me randomly showing up a NerdCube stream because we've been on a bit of a binge playing old school RTS lately. We played Supreme Commander yesterday. It did not go well for him. And I think we're going to play the Star Trek Armada 3 mod for Sins of a Solar Empire together at some point in the not-too-distant future. So that should be pretty cool. As for the announcement of what I've been working on over the last year, we're still not there yet. Hopefully in the next couple of weeks, I will be able to show you what we've been spending a year on. That would be pretty cool. And... I think that is about it, really. Just keep an eye on the Twitter feed for new videos. Keep an eye on the Twitch channel. Make sure to click follow if you want to know when we go live. We do have a tendency of showing up at random. Don't really have much of a schedule outside of the podcast. But we will, of course, have the podcast next week on the 10th. And our guest at the moment is going to be Joseph Anderson, who is a really awesome YouTube critic and makes very, very, very long videos about video <laughs> games. So guys. He's a, he's a great talker. It's going to be interesting. to. He's only just started streaming. He was actually playing Cuphead last night and uh, destroying it. Like, that guy is too good at video games to be allowed to continue to live. So we're going to have to do something <laughs> about that. But we'll get the podcast in first Whoa. before... We're going to have him here Whoa. and we're going to Before the him. assassination. Don't yes. tell him. It, Don't let yeah, him It'll know. be just after the show. We're going to get some value out of him before we put him in the ground. Sleep oh, with that's, the fishers, see? Wow. That's reasonable. I think it does. Yeah, we can, you know, everyone will look better by comparison if he is not around anymore. So that would be good. I think we're about done, ladies and gents. Thank you very much for watching the Cooptional Podcast. If you missed any of it, the VODs are available right now for Twitch subscribers. The show, as always, will be uploaded on Thursday on the YouTube channel and iTunes. You can also find it on SoundCloud and subscribe with your favorite RSS feed and client. Huh. I'm going to go take a break, and I'm sure the rest of us would like to do so as well. Thank you very much for watching the Cooptional Podcast. Goodbye.